Attention students, the Jabroni University Network is now in session. Please make your way to class. Welcome to Why Did We Ever Meet? I am Wes. With me, as always, is my beautiful and talented wife, who is painfully distracted by one of our cats right now. Ashley, how are you? Hi. A couple ways you can support our show. Uh, First of all, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. So if that's Apple Podcasts, if that's the Google Play Store, if that is SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., etc., Find Why Did We Ever Meet on there. Give us the five star. Give us a review. We appreciate that so much. But if you are ever curious where you can find us, there's a real easy solution, isn't there, dear? There is. That's by visiting the home of our podcast and several other wonderful podcasts, the Jabroni U Network. Visit www.jabroniu.com. That's it. You can find us. You can also find other great podcasts like the Draft Pod, Biff Radio, Jabroni U Rest, New Jabroni U Wrestling, Locals Barbershop, Flow and Tell, and so much more. So please visit Jabroni U. That's J A B R O N I U dot com. Oh my! And find us there. I would not be able to spell that. <laughs> you can't spell Jabroni. No. Oh, God, the Iron Sheik would want nothing to do with it. At you. least not like off the top of my head like that. Like I'd have to like I'd have to write it down. It ain't that fucking hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Uh this uh this week's episode is a fucking doozy. <laughs> it is uh um I will go out on a limb and say it is the most like I, I is it the heaviest? Uh, uh we've we've had some pretty personal ones that were heavy. Yeah. This is heavy but in a good way. Right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. We think it is. Yeah. Um, and, and for those of you that are new because of who our guest is, hello. We hope you enjoy the show. And we hope you stay because if you like this guest, there's some upcoming guests that you will like as much as this one because kind of from that same world. Uh, our guest this week is Jonah Matranga who uh, a lot of you know as a, uh, as a musician. Uh, he fronted the band Far in the uh, mid and late 90s, went on to form New End Original, Gratitude, uh, One Line Drawing, and he also has, currently has a new solo album out called Songs that is absolutely beautiful. Um, I have been a dyed-in-the-wool... Like, Jonah's one of my guys, let me explain that because <laughs> if you're a listener to the show, you know that I mentioned some of these people and Jonah's one of them. Um, similar to Bob Mould, uh, Jonah's music has been with me for a very long time and has shown up at pivotal moments throughout <laughs> my life. And uh, and it, we 
we of course talk about his music. Uh, we we talk a little bit about his place in the in the world in the vast world of of whatever emo and post hardcore is and and the 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 figures and I say that to use that term loosely uh, that that helped shape and define that as a subgenre and we talk about his place in it because for my money he's he's one of the forefathers and I think he is usually not given the credit he's due. Uh, so we do talk, obviously talk about music, but I would say that most of the show is really just getting into it. Yeah, like, I would say so. Yeah, we, we just have a real intense and personal and beautiful conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I need to, I need to make, clarify that this is a person whose music continuously makes me cry. <laughs> yes. And that's for a long time. So yep. um, I'm very emotionally connected to his work and I feel felt like I knew him already. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and I would say you probably feel a little bit like you know him at this point too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it was uh, he was really great about pulling you into the conversation <laughs> and making sure you were involved. Of course, yes. Um, but it's a really great conversation, and we're really proud of this episode. And uh, yeah, so enough of our bullshit. Uh, like we said, please find our podcast wherever they're available. If this is your first time listening to us, we hope you enjoy the show. Uh, we have some other really wonderful guests coming up that are our musicians that uh, you guys are going to be familiar with. But uh, yeah, welcome to Why Did We Ever Meet if you've never been. And without further ado, here is our guest. Please go pick up his new, his new album that's out right now, Songs. Ladies and gentlemen, Jonah Matranga. All right. So our guest this week, uh, I am so excited to have on. Uh, he fronted the seminal post-hardcore band Far, uh, went on to uh, continue blessing all of us punk and hardcore and emo kids with music for decades, with one-line drawing, gratitude. His new record is out right now. It is a beautiful experience to listen to. I am so excited and so honored to have a man whose music has been with me through very pivotal points in my life and had a profound effect at the exact right moments in my life. Jonah Matranga, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. That was such a sweet introduction. And I just (laughs) closed my eyes and drank it in. It is really especially good for me to be hearing that right in this moment and not in like a smoke up my ass way like but but like a real like validation for what the fuck i have been doing for the last 30 years because i'm in a i'm in a questioning point right now of like what i want to do with the rest of the time i've got so thank you so let's well then we're just going to dive right into that because sure i i know like i've seen you as and i've heard you mention it in interviews but what's funny is I realized it recently, um, like when you did this, uh, maybe a year or two ago, you were on uh, Washed Up Emo. Oh, yeah. You'd made mention of something that struck a light bulb with me with my own teenage son. You mm. said, because you, you've been this figure who, who's like, in my, for me, in my estimation, you're a pioneer in that emo post-hardcore songwriting world. You're one of the guys that I, I have hitched my wagon to since I was a, a senior in high school when I picked up Water and Solutions and went, oh, fuck. <laughs> and um, 
I, you said something in that interview that I, I have now realized it's affecting, you know, it, it affects my son who is a burgeoning, like, you know, playing guitar and music and discovering those. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, he, you said, I never saw myself as one of those guys. I saw myself as a guy who, who was a songwriter who wanted to dig into songwriting and wanted to do these things with my four track. And that was a, yes. oh, my God. Because, you know, you show your kid, you know, I'm showing my kid, I, of course, want him to dig into his generation's music. That's, sure. you know, that's what we all want. But, you know, I'm sharing these bands and these songwriters with him. And it occurred to me, like, that's not every kid that picks up a guitar. Just because they're a part of a band, which, you, you know, you yep. you know, with Far, with Gratitude, with One Line Drawing, with New End Original, uh, just because you were a part of that, you were always Jonah. You were always this guy who wanted yeah. to put his heart and self into his music and share it with who was ever listening. And I think that is why your your songwriting and music has been so profound because you speak literally in your lyrics. And that is yeah. the most prominent part of how your place and my music, my love of music. That's one the thing that I'm most attached to with you is you speak literally and deliberately. And that is what's special about what you're doing. Mm. Thank you. Uh, that sums it up pretty good. It's certainly <laughs> what I've been trying to do. So I'm happy to, I'm happy to hear that that's how it's coming across. I think that is, you've, you've, you've nailed the thing that is maybe the, you know, the sort of the dividing line between uh, people who really dig what I do and people who really don't. <laughs> um, I, I think I've, I know that what I've been trying to do is say things as simply as I could and like say things as sincerely as I can, as honestly from where I'm at and, and be honest with about myself and with myself and mm -hmm. about how I see the world. And it, it's all simple sounding stuff, but the more I've grown up through music, I've seen that that actually isn't, and it's not better or worse, I promise. Like, but it's not really other performers priorities. A lot of times, like, yeah. I like being understood. I like communicating something. Yes. Of course, I like a musical mood and my singing mood and the whole energy of music because it's so neat. But I like if someone wants to settle in with the lyrics, that there's actually something there. Of course. Um, and and it's, I know I'm sort of sounding qualitative. And of course, I love what I do. But there's plenty of artists that I like that actually don't do this quite like I do. But I know for whatever reason, my thing has been I mean, literally the first song I remember writing, like, like that was like memorable to people that I still remember and that like probably people I went to high school with would still remember the chorus. It was a song called Communication. And it just sure. says, please come talk to me because all I need is communication. Don't leave me standing on my own because all I need is communication. Yeah. And it's so funny to look back on that song that literally I performed at the sophomore high school talent show in high school. Mm -hmm. um, and to go... I've pretty much been writing that song ever since. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just yeah. crazy. It's wild. <laughs> so with, with, with where like, for better or for worse, and I, and I, I mean, I see it as better. Like when you think of like, because you're from Massachusetts, right? Originally. Yep. So with, with punk rock and hardcore and post hardcore and, and the scenes that these, that, that spawn these these bands and these ideals. Um, what were you? Do, do you feel 
a level of gratitude that like, you know, for I'm one of the guys that people like, you know, when you list the names of the people that are like, who are the guys? Who are the, who, who are the people? Who are the important uh, moments? You're one of the names. And is that a, is that a positive? Well, I, 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 I'll, I'm going to say this, then I'm going to be as real as I can be without, you know, I never want to start fights. And I've had a history of that, like over different times of my life, I was raised and around a lot of kind of combative chaos. And I think it's okay. kind of in me. So I, I always want to be careful, but I also want to speak truth. You know, I like telling the truth and that I, so I'm not trying to start any fights, but yeah. I think I'm happy that you think of me as one of the guys, you know, yeah. uh, and it's, and it's, sweet and sad that we're both saying guys because I, like you're right it, no you're right yeah, yeah no 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 but it has been guys like it the, <laughs> the the music that we have grown up on is so overwhelmingly shittily male um <laughs> so i mean that's just real um it's, you know so so it's let's just own it and we can keep it moving and we can you know but um but so but yeah one that i am a name I'm happy that you mentioned this, but it's really neat that you brought up Wash to FEMA, actually, because I know Tom somewhat in a sort of a scene way, and we, we communicate yeah. and stuff, and yeah. I think he's done a wonderful job, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I did a Wash to FEMA with him, and I don't know, this part of it, like, I, I swear to God, I'm not, like, a, outside of, like, low self-esteem days and, like, deep sort of, like, childhood weird astronaut yeah. wishes, yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not a person who, like, I really don't. Hi. Hi, Ashley, Jonah, Sorry. Jonah, Ashley. What's up? We are just talking about the total dearth of estrogen in our lives. So thank you for hey. bringing it in. <laughs> You're um, um, So, and yeah, so we are talking right now about um, my standing or not in the legacy of sort of post-hardcore and okay. this yeah. kind of world. Yeah. And I'm saying with, with serious, real humility, I'm happy that you think that and <laughs> It has not been lost on me that in a lot of more popular summaries of emo and yeah. its origins, I'm left out. Um, I Correct. I was not yeah. I was not in the first two volumes of uh, Washed Up Emo's books and stuff, and I was a very very down on the list, like being interviewed, and in many 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 articles that I see. I'm nowhere to be found. And, and that's fine with me. Like what I was going to say is like truly, and I think there's a moment of grace. Like I don't have, I take it like, personally. <laughs> like I didn't take credit. Like, I, you know, like, I, like I don't need, like I'm so, I feel, I swear to fucking God. Like I giggle every day that this is my life. Like yeah. I'm so happy that I've made music for this many years that I've raised my kid doing it. Right. That, you know, I mean, I'm in a tiny apartment. You can't see in a rent controlled apartment. But at the same time, I've survived and I have like, you know, a little bit of a nest egg. Like, I'm okay. Like, I'm fucking okay. I'm 52 and I'm okay. Like, holy shit, you know? Um, and and so I'm super psyched. There's nothing but joy and, and gratitude, like very real. Like, so, and looking around, if I'm an honest, like, honestly, like most people who talk about the history of emo, especially mm-hmm. scenesters, They'll acknowledge me, but I'm not the first out of their, you know, out of their mouths. And yeah. and if I do the history and I look back on it, like, I kind of know who my contemporaries were. And I know, like, who was doing what. Like, and so it's it's interesting. I ju- literally just, I'm going to be, like, spill all the tea. 
I just wrote. <laughs> yes, yes. I just wrote to to Tom. I just wrote to the Washed Up Emo. You know, I DM'd uh, the Washed Up Emo Instagram because I got this record out, mm-hmm. and the internet is the fucking wild west, and who knows how to even tell anyone about anything these days. And so <laughs> I'm and I'm trying to be more vulnerable and ask for help. I'm trying to like yeah. go no, like I want, I really want help with this, and I don't know what to do. Yeah. So here's this account that's about this legacy that I kind of grew up in. And so I wrote to him saying like, Hey, so I put out this record and it's got all these people on it. And like, you know, and, and he's like, you know, wishing people happy birthday and shouting out all these records. And, and I've got a new record out and this, and this past week I celebrated the anniversary, the 23rd anniversary, anniversary of modern solutions, yes. the 17th anniversary of the volunteers and the 16th anniversary of gratitude mm-hmm. and put out a new record. Yeah. All of these records, like, have their place yes and none of them none of them have ever been mentioned by I, the walk the female account i just want to be real about that it's mm-hmm. not in the books those aren't listed uk has been a little bit cooler about like putting water and solutions in their list and stuff and yeah. like hops in there but the fact is i never really fit in any of these fucking worlds and and that's okay. In fact, if anything, I kind of love it. It's like kind of who I've been as a creature for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel bad to me. It doesn't feel anything. And that's the truth of it. When you say that I want to have that and I do take that from you deeply and wonderfully because the people that do care about it, mm-hmm. I appreciate you that much more for that. Right. And I just kind of want to set the record straight for everyone. Like that's just not a, yeah. a real perception in the world. Like I am not a known figure and that's super okay with me. In fact, maybe it's even better in some ways, but I just wanted to kind of like clarify that statement. So thank you for I, walking I, with I, me I down the road. No, I completely understand. Uh, and, and I want to make sure that I like beyond, it, it, I, and I have to be honest, I discovered FAR because of, because of, you know, being a, being a teenager who was into that, you know, I'm at, at that point, it's, Texas is the reason and handsome and the promise ring. And I'm discovering these bands and, you know, and that's how I discovered far was because of that. And the difference is now here I am at 41 and hmm. it, it, through all that and just begun exceeding all of that. Your place in my life is similar to Bob mold's place in my life where it's beyond this was a, a thing that I was a part of. These are songwriters whose music has popped up at, at very prominent points in my life. When I had a daughter almost nine years ago, your music shows up in, in this way. That, and I joke with her all the time. If, if I'm listening to something Jonah made, probably going to be fucking crying. <laughs> that, that is when you put accurate. Out, when you put out Don't Give Up, when that single came out, I was in my office at work and I'm listening to it on my earbuds and I well up with tears and I forwarded <laughs> to her and the kids in our family group chat. And I was like, I want you all to listen to this. I love you all very, very much. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so here's the thing. If there is one, seriously, one point of my legacy, whatever that even means, yes. that I'm so fucking proud of, whether or not anyone ever notices it's that I have made more burly dudes cry oh, than man. most people. Yeah. And, and I have talked to so many uh, partners of burly dudes who have 
literally pulled me aside and be like, I've never seen him hug someone that tightly. I, I don't like, he doesn't cry very much. Thank you for like, basically like cracking open my dude's heart. Um, and so for all of the dude hearts I've cracked open, if I have cracked open even one and it's, I'm so fucking proud of that and happy about that. Cause I have never felt like a dude, dude. Like I acknowledge that I present as a straight cis man or whatever, yeah. But I've never felt a part of that club. I, I've got some pretty deep insecurities around it that I've kind of worked through and music has really helped with that. Yeah. But, the, but the point is, I hate what, what the, the masculinity that I've been raised with. I think it's a disgusting beast and I'm forever kind of like trying to tease it out of my fucking genes and like be a creature that's free of it. Um, and if I have in any way aided anyone's journey out of like the shitty man indoctrination that we've been given and like what that is our birthright. Right. I am so happy. So yeah. thank you for that story. And, and yes. And, and when I say you and Bob mold, she and the kids have <clears throat> heard you and Bob mold's name and have had it <laughs> impressed upon them as long as we've been together. So are you still there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, can't, lost you on camera. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. But thank you because hold on. Yeah, my phone is about. Thank you. Noticing that. Got me here. I'm plugging in. Okay. Cool. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Chip shape. Here. Okay. Um, I, I, there there are certain musicians that have always you know, it, when you're a teenager, there are certain things you latch onto, and I'm one of those people that like. Hell yeah. As I get older. I work through, I have to work through those things. And I have a partner that I work through that through and I'm, I'm grateful, but that, that, the posturing of masculinity and like, (laughs) and that aggro thing that comes along with, you know, unfortunately people don't like to hear, but that's an element that when you were a kid that discovered punk rock, it came with that to a degree. Instead of tapping into the sensitivities of like, Hey, isn't life fucking hard? It wouldn't it be get be better if we're all just singing these fucking songs and sweating together and crying this out together. Like that is as I get older, that's the part that's more important because my insecurities your music has has true truthfully helped me especially over the last year and a half, 2 years. Yeah. Your yeah. Music has been very like prominent in me working through the insecurities of being a husband and a father and falling short and the, the pain of like, how do I muster this up and, and navigate this? And uh, your music's been a really big part of that. And especially, I mean, through this fucking pandemic. Yeah, man. These songs <laughs> that you've released, man, I'm telling you, the, the, the record, this, <laughs> it, it's fucking me up in all the right ways. I'm so glad I am. I am immensely proud of this album. Um, and it's not something I say lightly. I mean, I love all my music cause it's cause I created it and it's really fun and it's my way of getting through life and, and it's, and I just love music so much. So it's neat to make it. Um, but I, I feel like I can pretty even handedly look back at my catalog and I kind of, I know which songs I think, you know, kind of transcend and stand out. And, and yeah. like, I think I've got a pretty good handle on it and this record uh, well, I know for a fact, it's the record that I, it's my most collaborative album that I've ever made, um, including my band albums, frankly. Yeah. Um, um, it's the record that I 
paid the most attention to getting it from like lo-fi four track glory, like up yes. to like that that big elegant sweeping thing that I adore so much that I adore so much on other people's records. But it's 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 frankly it's very it's it's not an easy thing to achieve because it requires a lot of logistical skill right. and a lot of things to happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. So ironically, during the pandemic, having the time, no tour, no nothing. And my friend Jeremy in Minneapolis with his amazing studio who has an ear for fancy sounding things way more than I do and getting to record all my vocals at home, but record them in like a really clean, purposeful way, send them to him, have them come back, sound like magic and, you know, big and huge. The way that producers can do and the way that engineers can do has been such a glorious thing for me. I feel so proud of myself and him and us that we stuck with it and we like there's so many people playing on the record that I love. And so in short, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to zoom out a little bit. Yeah. This, one of the saddest things for me about growing up has been not only to become aware of this, you know, I'm going to stick with, you know, we can definitely talk about whiteness anytime and straightness and all that, but I'm going to stick with maleness. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, it's actually all just sort of their oppressor class kind of vibes, you know, like the, the oppressor class vibes that I have been steeped in and like taught by yeah. um, in pop culture and parenting and just everything. Not only have I had to kind of reckon with it in my body, but looking around me, the saddest part is that whether it's like, yeah, punk or new agey or whatever the fuck, you choose your, your framework mm-hmm. and it's to me, it's just patriarchy redux. And it's all this clever, like, it seems like it's not it anymore, but all the macho bullshit is still stuck in there. Yeah. Um, and it's very much including this, like in punk is sort of this like this angry tantrum thing. And it did really shake up a lot of beautiful things. And, and I, I am so grateful to, to punk culture forever um, for raising me Um and I wasn't some kid that was like all punk all the time. I was like listening to like the cars and journey and Sean Cassidy and, you know, this is Boston LA and gangrene and the FUs and the proletariat, and, like these like early punk bands that I like, found yeah. out about that taught me. So I love it. And the more I hung out and the more I hung out in the scene, yeah, I was like, God damn it. Everyone's still being fucking macho. Like it's a different macho. <sighs> now it's like, you know, shitty dreadlocks and like, you know, studded belts and tattoos and whatever the fuck, you know, but like, it's like still this like weird wild west outfit. Why are we still being the Marlboro man? I thought that was the point was to transcend this shit. Mm-hmm. And, and then even emo fuck, it's called fucking emo. And I, and the first, and what I loved about it was not just the, yeah, we get to be sad together, but, but, and it's not just like, yeah, let's admit to each other. This life is tough and we struggle. That is definitely a thing that all men can do a lot more and all people, but all men. Um, yeah. But, also like how about how fucking joyous is this life how giddy does it get you to you know and so i just i love that what if there was anything i about the scene that i thought was interesting was that i started seeing more like kind of quietly effeminate men like myself like talking about their feelings and singing about it but too often it kind of like went off into this weird character of like now i'm the mopey misunderstood man which to me is another fucking version of this stupid stoic dude thing that needs to be repaired by the world when actually the dude is in control of the world so it's just like this weird con and so i just gotta say like 
I love the way you have listened and heard this. Like, it's really amazing for me to like hear, God damn it, at least, you know, and I, I've met a handful of people over the years and it's really wonderful. But to hear someone say back, like, I have gotten out of your music, like what you put into it. I'm like, so psyched. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, it didn't get lost. Like, right. cause there's a lot of people that are just like, you rock dude. I'm not sure about your politics and you're kind of weird sometimes, but man, that fucking far <laughs> shit. I saw you with corn back in the day and it was good. And I'm like, okay, like, thank you. But you didn't get anything that I was saying. Um, and, and, and again, that matters to me. Like I'm happy to see the heads rocking and I'm happy to be part of entertainment. I'm happy to let anyone help anyone through this life in any way I can, but God damn it. I don't want to even unwittingly, especially unwittingly yeah. perpetuate the shit that I'm still digging out of. Right. And, yeah. and so I'm like actively anti that. So it just really means a lot to me when my music has been used as a tool because I, I think of us as getting this, these toolboxes. And, yeah. and as men, we're given this toolbox full of like hammers and pain pills, you know? And it's just like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this, you know? Um, and I want to give a different toolbox. Yeah. Um, that's what the songs are. So thank you for getting it. You're welcome. And, and I, you know, one thing that I have, and it's a thing, the older I get, the more I'm, I'm very cognizant of, and I don't want to be it, is I am a... I, I can, I have, I'm a confrontational, I can just say, I'm a confrontational person. I love how you're looking at her. That's so sweet. I'm loving so much that you are here, by the way. And on, there's so many meta things happening. A, we're doing all the talking. B, he's looking to you for this, like this, like little approval. It's so sweet. I'm kind of looking to you for approval. It's fucking hilarious to me. So just this whole vibe that's happening right now. I'm so into it. I'm always and I'm very happy that you're on camera. It's it's and you're a cute ass couple. And I know you're living a life and you're 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 of the ages where it's like you've been through some shit. You know, there's some kids around. Yeah. You're dealing with parental legacy. You're dealing with mortality. Like yeah. all the shit that to me, life is either gonna like gently like n- need and open my heart. It's funny. Need is great. Like pun. Both K N E A D N. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, it's either going to open up your heart if you're brave enough to kind of like stare at it or it's going to close it up and batten it down. And that for me, as far as I can tell, is what aging is. It's either you're either going to ossify and turn into a fucking sad little mean rock or you're going to soften. And my the people who I admire are the people who soften and broaden as they age. And um, it's, it's so, it's so beautiful. And I, I, I'm feeling that energy from y'all that you all are on the search to like, please let this life soften me, not harden me, you know? So thank you. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. I mean, to that, I mean, tell, tell him about, you know, like the things that we been were, we were working through this week. Like, please do. Oh, yeah. Let's always. Yeah. I'm just shut us up for a while. Yeah. I'm currently unemployed. Um, and just trying to kind of figure it all out like I feel like I am not because I lost my job and then I can't get a job unless I want to go work retail or something like that and I'm not I just can't put myself in that situation again no I feel very like like I, I have no value yeah I'm just here like hanging out all day um but I it's getting a little better I would say 
I'm just trying to figure it all out and trying to finish. I'm trying to become a certified yoga instructor. Mm -hmm. I'm almost done. But, you know, taking that leap is terrifying. So the, the finishing of things is a real thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, okay. it's one thing to have an idea and to kind of dive into it and to come out yeah. the other side with something real is, is, is a whole other project. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. The, it's that whole idea of like, you're going to come out of this with that certificate. Yeah. But then, oh shit, now I want to put that into fucking practice. What the <laughs> fuck am I supposed to do? Like, wait, I have to go and like, I have to leave my house now after I've been in my house for an entire year, just, you know sheltering in place and being terrified of the world like uh, now i have to go back out into it like i don't mm, it's, and it's weird it, my it's, my sweetie my, my wife my sweetie yeah. we, we 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 do we do we've chosen sweetheart is our term um <laughs> but yeah. it's uh it whatever the fuck um <laughs> this creature that i've been sharing this tiny little space with for the past year like you know super dug in yeah. is at fucking kaiser right now uh, um, which is a healthcare thing. Um, where are you all? We're in Ohio. Ohio. We're near Toledo. We're south. Does Kaiser Detroit. exist in Ohio? Is Kaiser a thing? I don't think so. No, okay, I that's just... what I thought. Yeah, that's why that, I'm glad I specified it. It's it's just a healthcare provider out here. Okay. She is at you know essentially a hospital right now, which is the fucking last place she wants to be. She has been so stressed out about this, like way more vigilant than me. I've been pretty vigilant, but frankly, she has been the real vigilant one in our household. And, and the really, like, really stressed out one. I've been trying to, I've been the one trying to talk her down and mm -hmm. just kind of like make her, you know, just sort of like make her kind of look at the science. Cause she looks at, she loves science. She's like super into facts and figures, but then her anxiety will get the best of her. Like, okay, if you trust science, look at these stats here. Because <laughs> yeah, these yeah. same stats that you're saying, don't go outside. They're also saying this is safer. And here, like, here's what we can yes. do. And yes, <laughs> so we have a wonderful dance we're doing. But anyway, she's in her nightmare right now because her stupid doctor didn't like, uh, she's got a prescription for some like high blood pressure stuff, just a simple, totally innocuous prescription that could not be abused. And right. because her primary you know, caregiver, whatever the fuck, didn't send it in at a time, she didn't get it in the mail on time and she's out of her prescription and she needs, so now she's at this stupid hospital -y place. I know she, I came home to her crying like after I was walking because like, I know how much she hates this stuff and I feel so shitty. And if I could have literally gone like, for her i would have but in this case she has to be there herself in person yeah. in this place that scares the shit out of her that stresses her out and so anyway i just wanted to like give some empathy to y'all for going through your version of shelter in place because it's a real yeah. thing like that's shit we've been through this past yeah. year it's a yeah. thing yeah well, we had to send the kids back to school too we we were doing school for a, um i mean they were at home last year and then they didn't they did start like the school opened back up at the beginning of, you know, this year. And we were like, no, we'll just stick with keeping them home. And it sucked. No, not because I couldn't do it because it was not the program that they chose was not up to mm. like standards at all. They outsourced yeah. this program that was and, like, they had no, they were completely hands off yeah, of it. Yeah. Completely. And it's I mean, my, my second grader was learned like having to like type things out, like having to like do things that my eighth grader should have been doing and he wasn't doing it. It was awful, awful. So we had to send them back to school and that was a whole nother like, what? Like, yeah. I don't know what to do, but thankfully it has been probably the best thing that could have happened. Oh, so, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. yeah like uh. 
they've been so good and careful and they've done everything, you know, pretty good, honestly. And they've that's a really sweet, that's year. a silver lining. Yeah. That I've been trying to show to, to Kim some is that like, there, there are now, yes, there are like massive groups of fucking idiots out there, like yeah. destroying our country and our world. Yeah. But at this point, there's a real infrastructure of really thoughtful people doing very scientifically predicated like measures that no, they don't make it 0%, but they really take the odds down. Yeah. There's a way to exist. And honestly, and okay, first of all, every goddamn day of this, I've been so grateful that my daughter has grown up. Like, yeah, like, yeah, sure. so you have my deepest empathy <laughs> for having for being like kids of that in that school vibe. Like, yeah. I don't know what that would have been for me. It sounds like a goddamn nightmare between the red tape and just like the kids in your face 28 or seven like and you're yeah. like yeah I, I don't yeah. even know I don't even I have no frame of reference for it I'm grateful but my friends with kids have really reminded me oh yeah there's a world out there that's existing and it's not an irresponsible world it's people just trying to live and get by and figure it out together and yeah. especially after we kind of realized that it wasn't so much about washing your hands 80 million times a day and was more about putting on a mask yeah. like it's like okay, we got this. And there's a, there's actually a, a family in Oakland. That's a, the, the dude in the family, the, the father in the family is my high school buddy and their middle kids, my goddaughter, like we're tight, we're tight, tight. Yeah, tight. Sure. Um, and talking to them as this has gone on has been such a wonderful reality check. Cause I consider them very sane and thoughtful people. And they have been dealing with, yeah, camp and school and work and, just they've been dealing with a level of life that I have no idea about because me and Kim are just like hunkered down in a little apartment like <laughs> you know we don't have to care give so yeah, anyway yeah. kudos kudos to you for, you. for <laughs> it's um it, and you know I, and taking this back to your record you made this album in the midst of this now mm -hmm. some of the, some of the stuff I know Correct me if I'm wrong, but you and Norman had, there was stuff that you and Norman had written in new and original, or at least the precipice. Well, yeah, there's one song, yeah, one song that's like 20 years old. That's yeah. a true, like, weird outlier. That's like literally a song that Norman sent to me. And this, this says a lot about my life. When he sent this demo to me, I had no idea that we had ever, he insisted that we had performed it. And I was like, I've never heard this song in my life. Um, <laughs> And sure enough, someone from the <laughs> Netherlands sent me a recording in 2002 of us performing this song and me doing some kind of vocal to it. And I was, what? Is and it was a mushmouth vocal. It wasn't lyrics. So I didn't, I never finished the song, which is what yeah. Norman said. He said, we started this and never finished it. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but so anyway, that's that song, which is the true outlier. What is more true is that this record is, yes, it's about the, certainly is about and from and for the pandemic and like getting through this together and it's also the the songs really started like don't give up everyday angels uh serious question mm -hmm. uh when i did drugs like a lot of the tunes started out i would call them like trump era songs as much as sure. covid era songs that makes complete sense yeah they're about surviving they, they were started surviving that they were started in my sheer existential terror of like, Oh my gosh, is my country going to descend into fascism? The way I've, I've seen other countries do it. Like, is that, is that going to go down? Like, right. like, am I in this? Right. And so that was me processing my feelings of hopelessness around that whole scene. 
but it turns out they apply really well to pandemic times because pandemic yeah. times was just been a highly condensed version of the shit we've been living through for, right. you know even longer really since fox started in the, in the early 90s like we've been living through this weird slow descent into a really terrifying place that we are still in and we're in for a long fucking time. And I hope we get out of it, but I don't know if we will. But anyway, these songs started when I had the acute realization of like, oh shit, I think it's gone down. And I am not a, I'm not a conspiracy person in a way. I think actually the conspiracy industry is like a, it's, it's to deflect from the actual conspiracies. But anyway, um, like as in like oh let's talk about 5g instead of white supremacy like no yes like, yes, like yes. okay i i got a conspiracy someone decided that like yeah men were better than women like eight thousand years ago and we've been living in it ever since and it's and it's and it's in all of our systems forever and people are like oh you you know sjw you're you know da, 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 da. but then they'll talk to me about fucking chemtrails and i'm like what <laughs> like yeah oh, what's happening right now so anyway Long story short, um, I just, uh, yeah, I just, it, these songs definitely started then. And there's a, there's sort of a, the, I, I think I would most succinctly call it like the death of truth and the rise of certainty. Like that oxymoron that has taken over our culture has been a really, really tough thing to navigate in yeah. my adult life. And this record, no, without being, you know, overly dramatic, which I always am because I'm a songwriter, but it's also true. This record is me, is like a summation that probably started with Water and Solutions and Tin Cans and those early Far records yeah. of me navigating my adult life and these changes that I saw around me trying to be a grown up in a world that I was becoming increasingly aware was like cruel and rigged and and that I was a part of it and like I've been born into it and what the fuck am I going to do with it? And it's so this record to me is the most finely distilled articulation of my feelings within that both of desperation and fear, but also of this thing of like, but wait, through all of this, there is a light, there is a joy, and that has never left me. And and I want to say to you about I, I, you, your thing about purpose really, really like stuck me in the heart because um, I think our whole idea of having a sense of purpose is actually like a shitty invention. Like that whole framework yeah. is like, yes. what purpose? We're fucking animals. Like, you know, like, like we're not this like any idea of purpose like arose with essentially with language and, and you know with literacy which we consider this boon but whatever that's talk about conspiracies um <laughs> like you know let me tell you about thousands of years ago when we made up a whole code that most of the world didn't know but we knew it so we could dominate the rest of the world like yes that's a fucking conspiracy yeah um, yeah but <laughs> yeah no i know i can go um but the, but the purpose i just want to say the purpose thing there's a sticker that i saw that I will qualify in a second, but it really got to me. It was really sweet and it made me laugh, but in like that sweet, rueful laughter way. And it just said, it was a wonderful picture of a woman like looking kind of forlorn. And, and it said, she thought she had depression. Um, but in the end, it turned out it was just capitalism all along. Um, and, and I really think that's what's going on. And forget about capitalism because that's become this weird catchphrase. I would say, but it was corruption all along. Like, Mm-hmm. Like it, and it's all like yeah anyone who it's the whole if you're not angry you're not paying attention vibes like to really soften that a little bit if you're not feeling like the crazy like injustice of wealth disparity mm-hmm. then you're numb and if you yeah. are feeling it it's a really tough thing to navigate especially as like middle class white people in america because our comfort 
it's such simple math to see that it comes on the backs of horrible torture and oppression for like the vast majority of the world. And like, how the fuck do I like inhabit that and inhabit that I feel useless and I feel worthless and I feel purposeless and I feel like I don't fit and I don't have a job and I don't have a thing. And it's such a sad existence. And once that is recognized, I think there's a gauze that's pulled back and there's a chance within all of that sadness and mud that I like felt from you when you articulated that mm-hmm. there to me, that's where all the best learning is. Cause yeah. that's the yeah. part that's under all the training, all your training gives out and you're sobbing and you're feeling like a useless piece of shit in the world. And it's, it's not useless piece of shit obviously sounds very bad, but, <laughs> but that's closer to the truth of what we are in this world than anything else. We are useless pieces of shit. We will be fertilizer for a tree. Like, and that's a beautiful, glorious thing. If we can just inhabit that and go, hell yeah, because then we get to do what we want. Then yeah. we get to just hang out with each other yeah. and we stop worrying about like, am I achieving my highest purpose? Like, I don't know what the fuck that question means, but it <laughs> has given me so much pain over my life. It's just given me so much pain. So thank you for even acknowledging that question, being transparent and vulnerable about those feelings, because that's the shit. That's what you're, that's what you gave me. Thank you. <laughs> that. <clears throat> taking that that too and dissecting it a little further like you mentioned like when you mentioned far being on tour with corn okay (laughs) like when i think about like because i look at this new record of yours as like it is it is now like all of the jonah music the the lump of coal is now a diamond and i think this record Mm -hmm. is the diamond Mm -hmm. because I look at you and where you're at in my life and you are so fucking misunderstood, my man, like far on tour with corn, like that, like you, the record industry in the late nineties was what it was yeah. going into the two thousands. And it just, that is how the record industry was working. And it made like, when I heard water and solutions, I was like, Oh my God, this is so good. And to see like that, like you guys on tour with corn, like they're not fucking getting it. And watching the, the, you know, the progression of your music to this record, like, do you feel like it was just this long, you know, this journeyman's road of like, they don't get this, but they will like, how we ask? No, no, I don't. If anything, I'm trying to, (laughs) my growing up has actually been about daring to believe that someone might get it. Like, the, my working thing that has worked for me, but it's also really crippled me in some ways yeah. is that no one gets me. And like, I am alone. Okay. Like, if you want to be real, like that's, if you want to have like my true, like, you know, roots of my trauma thing, yeah. you know, and, it, and to me, all of our present day dysfunctions are pretty easily deconstructed by like, tell me about zero to 10 in your life and like who left and what happened. Because yeah. for me, that's sort of what the whole game is. And so Pops leaving when I was little and being with a pretty wild, like, you know, a mom who's wonderful and amazing, amazing, amazing. And was kind of unhinged herself at different moments and was hella poor initially, like really fucking poor. But then like getting into this middle class thing, what I the story I made up about myself through those chaotic years is like, I'm too much. People are going to leave. No one gets me. Everyone's falling apart around me. And I'm the one who has to hold it together. Like I was the little man of the house trying to hold together my mom and my sister, not knowing what the fuck was happening. And that's kind of still who I am. 
um, sort of when I'm left to inertia and just to be. And so the, my assumption that fueled me right from the beginning, from when I, what attracted me to the four track was I put on the headphones and I wasn't worrying about the fact that I couldn't play guitar as well as my friends and, and also couldn't really like talk to women and like, you know, like it, as well as my friends or I could talk to them, but even my friends and they didn't think of me as sexual and like all the lonely feelings I had is a little weird. Like I was like second smallest kid in my class, didn't break a hundred pounds till high school, basically. Like my nickname as a kid was literally tiny bookman because I was fucking tiny and my head was always in a book. Um, so <laughs> I, I had a whole thing that, and I still, in my deepest, and especially on a bad day, like, I am alone, and no, and I'm too much for this world, and not too much in a good way, like, I'm too much, I'm like, too sincere, and too I, emotional, and too wordy, and too whatever it is, you know, whatever it is, I'm too much of it. Mm-hmm. So, to your point, only now am I daring and frankly, this record was really a record that I was making with the intent of like, let me nurse this belief that this might actually get through to somebody mm-hmm. like that. This might actually be a companion for them on the journey that will make their journey a little bit less harrowing than it might have been otherwise. I've always wanted that for myself. But frankly, I always thought if this music helps me see another year, mm-hmm. then I'm good. Yeah. Like anyone else certainly the people I was seeing like the corn and monster magnet and sepultura and deftone shows like, (laughs) like, like, but here's the thing with me, like in us, like this is a sort of, I talk about this in in a book I wrote a couple years back, trying to make sense of this whole life. The thing that sums it up is there's a place in Orlando. I think it's still there called the Sapphire little club, cool little club. We went there in 98 once uh, with, monster magnet and everyone was shouting homophobic slurs at me and you know just sort of like just hating us basically um and for this being the wimpy kind of fey sort of like sensitive band on the bill Mm -hmm. and then we went back (laughs) this is so perfect we went back either two weeks or two months i can't remember but very close on the bill was us and promise ring and just to brazil um and then at that show, people were still making fun of me, except it was for rocking too hard. <laughs> like, so I was doing the exact same thing yeah. and getting made fun of in both places. But one was by Hesher people that were like, fuck you, you stupid F word, you know, mm. lame person. And then scenesters who were like, oh yeah, like, like I could see them sort of giggling when we were just like going for it. Like, and I was just like, oh my God, I'm alone. And that was, I'm alone in this world thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So the graces, the graces that I've been a really good friend to myself for the most part throughout my life. And there have been crucial people in my life that have been, uh, yeah, people that have really, really helped me through some different moments. Um, but truly, if I, like the songs, the music. Yes has helped me survive. So really the last thing that was on my mind, yeah, I was desperate for someone to understand it. Um, as I was saying earlier, before you jumped on, I was, I was saying that my first song that I can ever really remember that the chorus really sticks with me, it was called communication. And it was just like 
And the course was literally, please come talk to me because all I need is communication. Don't leave me standing on my own because all I need is communication. Like that's me at 14. Like, and, and it's still me basically, except there's a little bit more light in the like, hey, you want to come talk to me? Because I would love some communication. You know, it's gotten a little bit less yeah. desperate and a little bit more like, hey, could we have a conversation maybe? <laughs> so I'm trying to embrace this thing of like, oh, I actually get to be something in this world. And let's talk about purpose. Mm -hmm. Huh. If I'm just like, if I just let go of this fear that no one's ever going to get it and then I'm, you know, then maybe there's some light here. Maybe there's some possibility here if I'm brave enough to let this inform my outward facing persona in the world of like, yeah, maybe someone will get something from it. So yeah, that's a very, very long answer to your very short and simple question. But that's the deal is that I was not like back then I was back then I was pretty much combative. I was like, fuck all y'all. Yeah. I got the mic like, um, and no matter how much you want to beat me up or no matter how uncool you think I am like, nope. Um, but it was a very like antagonistic kind of way of living. Yes. And honestly, the little community that built up around the music was so and continues to really sustain me in a way that I'm a little scared of sometimes. Yeah. And if anything, I'm leaning into like, I need to make my own light because it sounds weird, but music has been my only job my whole adult life. Mm -hmm. And it's really the only way I've consistently interacted with the world. Um, and so people that have shown up, forget about buying stuff, people that have just shown up and given me a big hug or told me that I'm worth it or told me that they got something from what I did that has been pretty literally a lifesaver for me. I mean, certainly as I've gone through the struggles of like adulting and like raising a kid and stuff, right. being able to lean on the support of people who, who just love the music and who like, because anyone who loves my music, I really believe this. I, I feel like we're probably, we could be close yes. because it's yeah. very, very personal music for me. It's not music written with the idea of like, let's bring everybody in. Yeah. It's like, this is my little thing. And if you dig it, then I bet we could be buddies. Yes. Like that's my whole shit, you know? So anyway, yeah. I, I, you are on the short list of musicians who I feel like I, and I, this won't sound weird to you. I feel like I know. And yeah. it's because like, whether it's, whether it's a song like Lukewarm yep. from the new End Original record where like the, those lyrics are so, I'm getting fucking choked up thinking about, they're so literal and, yes. um, but it, it's also like, it's a, it's a mantra yep. of um, I'm never going to be lukewarm again. Like yep. it will play in my head at my lowest moment. Mm, like nope, so glad don't, don't have to be this don't have to be this don't have to i i we all i i don't have to lose to my insecurities no and, you know going back to like what you mentioned about the show at the sapphire with the promise ring and jets where like there's still like oh these guys are going for it too much like the insecurities that are are woven into a scene of any type <laughs> whether it's music or comedy or film or any art there's so much insecurity woven into the fabric of the scenes and art 
And if we just fuck and just to tie it together, hold on, I want to broaden for a yeah. second. Yeah. Whiteness and maleness and straightness, those are also scenes. Yeah. Those are just like scenes. They're just clicks, except they're such big clicks that we don't even recognize them as clicks. And that's what this is water is all about. It's like when something is so massive that you can't even recognize it anymore. But I just want to say, like, yeah, like whether it's yes, yeah, scene stirs, like to me, scene stirs and like white supremacists aren't that different. <laughs> They're not <laughs> just to say something really intense. Like it's people who are really excited about the security of people who, who sort of like at least say everyone toes the same line and says they think the same thing, so they can have at least a little bit of like they prop each other up or whatever. Right. And but it's like the opposite of community. Like I've always said, like there's a community, which is people who believe similar things finding each other, and then there's a scene where people agree to at least say they believe the same thing in order to fit into it. And it's like the, it's like a doppelganger of community. That's the opposite of it. And is like anti-communal and community is actually really sweet and wonderful, but scenes fucking suck. Yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) Because scenes do to that point. And, and this, I'm not saying this high, you know, with any hyperbole scenes create the proud boys. Amen. Scenes create (laughs) whatever the fuck happened on January 6th. Like that's, and, and, you know, going back to like, what is, what like, is QAnon? It's not a really hopping scene. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. I mean, oh. it, it, you know, it, I know. It, oh. it came from the internet, but it grew into this thing. And then they're fucking, they're storming federal buildings with the intent to kill elected officials. Like, look, it's we wild. Know, they fucking suck, but wild. I'm not going to go hang these motherfuckers. <laughs> and, I, but I mean, and all the while deeply believing that they are patriots and that they are right. Oh. Like, like, like it's not, oh. it's not a lot. I mean, I think it's a deeply a lie, like, but it's such a well done, cooked up, crazy ass scene points lie that it's really difficult. I would, well, waiting for Sunday off water and solutions. Like that's about yeah. someone yes. getting indoctrinated by this information. Um, and to me, waiting for that person waiting for Sunday that didn't learn from waiting for Sunday grew up into a QAnon person like that is there's a really direct line for me of like the people that didn't get that like grew into this because that's where I saw our world going is like this weird obsessive culty thing and this is the problem I don't fuck problem I don't even like saying those words this is a condition of where we're at right now is that it's very avatar based and very projection based and so who is the real anyone it's it's much more about getting consensus and making sure that people agree with you and that you've got your friend count is good and people are liking your posts and, and that's really powerful shit. And it, it yeah. drives people to some really, really ugly places. So it's the worst, it's the <laughs> worst type of, uh, and you know, this, uh, it, it, because it's a word that is so often used on social media now, but it's the worst type of dopamine. <laughs> it really, like, social media is the worst form of dopamine that you can get well it's the whole reason that you know that you know the whole thing about cigarettes are harder to kick than heroin i don't know if yeah. you've ever like read these studies or whatever That's, but I, yeah. I did i've done a deep dive into that and part of that is because what ha- they essentially do the same thing but but cigarettes do it on this really like little homeopathic level and they just like kind of tap the little center the little pleasure center just little chinese water torture the pleasure center whereas heroin even is like this big flood of it, you know, and, and I'm not, you know, I've never shot up heroin and I don't yeah. advocate it. No. And it's interesting to me that scientifically speaking, it's easier to kick than cigarettes. And I've seen my mom battle cigarettes her whole life. I've seen some dear friends battle it. 
It's a real fucking demon. And the whole thing is because it's these little tiny taps that yeah. you, and then your brain gets so psyched on it. And, and so social networking vibes, I know lots of people have written about this. That's even more micro. That's even like this more subtle thing, but it's such, I mean, I feel the pull all the time. It's oh, a absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you're, you're putting, you're, you're putting your, like for you, Oh, it's but it's so fucked for me. It's like yeah. um, me with me with social networks is a little bit like a person who has a food addiction because you've got to fucking eat. Right. Like, so I don't have to be on social networks, but I'm an outward facing entrepreneur trying to exist in the world. Like social networks are kind of a, like they're kind of the only game in town for me to speak to yeah. people right now. Yeah. And having to navigate those with all my feelings, then all the low self-esteem and combative and angry and things that those things on purpose generate. Again, we're back to like conspiracies that no one wants to talk about. Yeah. Like it's such a rough road for me. I, I'm, it, I spend so much time, way too much time, frankly, thinking about like, should I even be on this shit anymore? What can I do differently? How can I be a happier person on this? How can I project what I think is valuable into the world through these means? Cause it seems to suck it up and dilute it and destroy it and corrupt it by the time it even reaches anyone else. And yeah, it's a really, really rough go of it. Um, and wait, I'm getting sick of us talking again. So can we have more words from you? <laughs> Me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I just, I, I think it's, it's, I, I like on purpose, like, yeah. So yeah, forgive, you don't have to talk. I don't, you know, but. No, no but, she, she's got, you have views on that because I'm more embedded in oh, the social yeah. media stuff because I work in marketing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So and you're I, not as, you're not as stuck in it as we are. Um, I mean, yes and no, but I, I feel right. like. I, have a bit more control over like I can just step away like I can put my phone down and walk away and yeah. forget about it for a short yeah. at least a longer amount of time than I think anyone else in this house can wait hold on this this is fun this is fun yeah what do you think is your when do you think your addiction kicks in and you kind of got that feeling when do you think that is for you for me or for what for you yo sorry yeah I'm saying you and I'm pointing at a camera and I think I'm doing <laughs> and wait, well, here's an easy one. I only know his name because it's on the screen. What is your name? Ashley. My name's Ashley. Okay, Ashley. Now we all have names. Oh, and who's that in the back? This is our son, Cash. Cash. Who, What's up, Cash? Hi. <laughs> uh, hi. Who used your version of the Otis Redding song mm-hmm. for, your, for his mother's birthday. Oh, that's right. Thank you, Cash. You rule. <laughs> hey, I want to give love, if I can remember the boost name, that arrangement of the Otis tune Oh, I'm going to, I can't remember now, but I'm going to write you with it because I kind of stole their arrangement and you <laughs> stole mine. So, so just, there's, there's someone in Canada who kind of has needs some credit for that particular arrangement of that's so strong. My love is okay. Also, I want to, I want to give it up for your hereditary shirt. Yeah. Um, is that, is that for the film? I can't it tell. Is. Yeah. 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 Right. Brilliant film. It disappointed me a little bit when it kind of went into where it went. I presume we've all seen it. So there's no spoilers, but yeah. The idea of grief as the monster across generations was genius. And I only wish they, I think they, 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 they kind of like wimped out a little bit at the end when they did the, like, we're just a coven of weird culty people. Like I wanted it to stay with the human horror thing. That's always been my favorite. Like I grew up on Stephen King. So the human element of horror is so beautiful. So anyway, that movie, at least for 70, 80, 90% of it was like, this is a fucking horror movie. Yeah. So wait a minute. We are that yeah. and Midsommar is like her. <laughs> okay. I haven't seen Midsommar yet, so I'm curious. Oh, it's that's more of the the human horror element. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. And now, have you all seen The Witch? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was another really, I really love thinky philosophical horror movies yeah. that, yeah, leave me haunted in different ways. Um, yeah. <laughs> so The Witch was one of those for me and was kind of beautiful because in the end, I thought it was just the story of the ascent of a woman and, and men being so terrified of it. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a re- that was a one that really delivered on the end thing. I was like, oh, they really like yeah. stuck the landing. They did. Um, so I'm curious about Midsommar now. Thank you for yeah, yeah. you all recommending it. Makes me like, okay, cool. Cause I've heard about it. So cool. Yeah. And, and it is, uh, it's one yeah. where right away she zeroed in on like, <laughs> as, oh, as a woman. Yeah, go, oh, you go. Wait, so give it to me. Give me your Midsommar. Give me your Midsommar. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Or a, whatever you think of it when you think of it. Yeah. I, it's just a beautiful, it's all about trauma and how yep. it's dealt with. Um, but also how just fucking terrible men tend to <laughs> no offense no but here's the thing it's i i like it's really like it's not and there's no i want to hear more on that because i swear i know it's not my fault like i was born no. into this shit you know like it's but just like anything else now that i'm a grown ass person I need to reckon with my legacy and I need to reckon with things that have been taught to me. And I need to, just like as parenting, to me, the whole goal of a parent, I heard someone describe parenting as basically being a breaker wall. And behind me is the ocean of whatever trauma and bullshit that has, you know, sort of like that has been on my journey. And my job as a parent is not to repress that because then it just gets passed on, but is to process that and kind of filter the trauma and process it so that I don't pass it on to my kids. And this is how trauma ends. This is how alcoholism ends and abuse ends. And, or it's, it's how it's perpetuated. Because if I yeah. don't process my shame and my damage, then sure enough, it has shown up in my daughter. And, and that's, to me, kids are like the embodiment of consequence that way. Mm-hmm. So I know that when you say men, you're talking about this man thing that we've been like this weird masculinity thing, which, no. which corrupts everything, frankly, not just men, but it does happen to do a lot of damage to us. And the damage of course is to us, but because we are the oppressor class, we get to just rain our damage down on everyone. So absolutely. Yeah, please. T- like, think, like, so yeah. I was probably more raised more like a, like a man than he yep. was because I right, had a right. swearing mother and yep. a cop father. Wow, real. <laughs> so real. I was I like I was never allowed to really say how I like speak my mind or say how yep. how I felt or have any emotions at all. Yes. Yes. Like, no. like I'm very I'm much more like stoic, stoic and yeah. and emotionless. Yeah as opposed to him so I'm it's it's very opposite <laughs> and I'm getting like I'm more you know I'm opening up far more yeah but I, I, my sweet and I are very we're similar that way we we have a similar kind of gender cross so that's neat yeah, yeah I'm I, not I'm very, I no. crave the connection and yes. I I I crave I'm okay I crave okay. that and, <laughs> and but it's the it's the work right it's the yeah, work yeah. of it where we know like, you know, that we, cause we, it's funny that we're talking about this with you because we had this, it came up this week in a heavy way where she was like, where she, she laid it on me. Like, look, I don't feel, I, I, you know, I, I feel of no value. I feel, you know, things that were yeah. my heart out of my fucking chest because <laughs> she is the center of our world, you know, yeah. for the kids, like 
this ship doesn't steer without her. She's the captain. <laughs> and and to hear that the captain is feeling without value scares the whole crew. Because <laughs> yeah. we're like, no, we need you, Captain. You have to see. <laughs> Just this- my way of shaking them up a little bit, I guess. You know? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, but that that no real talk. Because if we if we presume that you are inhabiting the more traditionally male kind of vibe and he, you know, like uh then your work is to say i am overwhelmed i need help yeah and that is of course terrifying to the whole situation Mm -hmm. but this is what needs to happen because the dance that we're doing if we're doing a thing where someone's holding all this weight and everyone else is secretly scared that person's gonna fall apart because then Mm -hmm. the whole thing will fall apart that is no way to exist like that's not a thing so way to be to be vulnerable <laughs> and way to be to work through your feelings of like desperation and freakishness and not depend on this other person for your sense of security. So yeah, that's the work. Yeah. It, it, and it that, is. that is, that's the work, it you know, is. where you have to, that's the thing I think that I wish, like, I hate the fucking, like, I hate how now it is like something that we're all, we've all reckoned with and we're, Emo. We're going to use that word. That's a great example. Emo now for, for me and for you is a thing that's like, well, it's a fucking thing that we all were like, yeah, it's in the room, but we're not going to fucking look at it. And now we're all of an age where we're like, yeah, it's here. It's in the fucking house. And you just got to walk around it or just talk about it sometimes. But like, I, I think we're bigger. It like, what came out of the, the music that we love is bigger than this fucking word and these clothes and the fucking, you know, like, and the picture, like yeah. how it looked on, you know, the, this seven inch and it, it was this variant, this color, like, none of that shit matters. What mattered was these fucking songs that brought us all together and we all fucking lost sight of that. We yep. gave into the, like, making sure that our, our jeans were cuffed just right <laughs> and, you know, and, and made sure that this, this record label that released this seven, like, none of that shit fucking matters. The songs no. fucking mattered. And they still, that's what matters. And that's where you, going back to the original thing that I, I, I hate putting that on you where I'm like, you're one of the no, guys. You are one of the guys for people like me who was like, no, we w- we're going to push all that aside and we're going to be this together. We're going to exist in these songs together because that's what it was. That's yep. what the fucking Fugazi was. It was like, yep. throw all that shit out. Let's all come in here and let's be this being together. And it's, yep. it, that's, that's relationships, the connectivity. That's the shit that matters. And it, it is, it, it, it is and it's so tough to remember and by the time yeah by the time the fashions and the terminology gets going i think it's already lost um oh no we lost ashley um yeah she's doing a mom thing i think it's all good it's all good um i just i literally looked up and she wasn't there um um so yeah it's uh yeah by the time the 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 sort of the trappings of a scene get going it's tough to remember what it all started for but um it it is the thing and I think this about folk, hip hop, punk, yes. and ascent and emo in a lot of ways, because all four of those things to me are about, you know, hip hop, two turntables, a microphone, right. folk, three chords and the truth, um, punk, kind of three chords and the truth too, like similar, yeah. similar yeah. vibes. Um, and emo, like this, like just show your feelings, just yeah. like be a human being. Like that to yeah. me is the, like the long and the short of emo is like, take off the, like the fancy hair metal clothes right. and 
be a goddamn human being with me and talk about how you were happy today and sad today and angry today and scared today. And let's just do that with music because that's what the fun stuff is to talk about. Yeah. And it's uh, it was such a simple idea and was such a boon to me as a as a young man. Um, and I feel very grateful for the ways that sort of, you know, because and emo to me is just an offshoot of the punk. It is, community, it which, is and I'll, which is an offshoot of the folk community. And, and then hip hop is basically the black, what the black conversation was with the same energy, I think. Um, and so it, it's it's neat. It's neat. And emo in its purest form is still something that's exciting to me. I still have to reckon with the stupid term all the time yes. because I have to choose my hashtags and my metadata and my thing. And like, and again, I've made my peace with it. I'm good with it because I still remember and feel what was always fun to me about this before the flat irons took over, which is just like, let's feel our feelings together. You know, it's like, it's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. And I, I like, I, I don't remember, I can't remember who said it, but I remember reading someone say, this whole thing jumped the shark when the bands started looking like the kids that were in the crowd. <laughs> and I like, and you know, to the, to your point of like, uh, once, once the terminology's there it's, and the fashion is there, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it, it's beyond itself. And, and I think the thing that makes what you do so beautiful, it always comes back to the songs mm. and like, yep. what is that message? And what is yep. the, and because it is punk rock and hip hop and folk music are th the three best examples of when the message is what matters. Yeah, I'm not saying a pop singer's message doesn't matter, but yeah, yeah, and the delivery system is all very simple. Yes. There's not a lot of trappings around it. It's very much just like this is what we're this is what we're saying. It's yeah, as you say, it's right front and center. Yep. Like there's no no you know yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, it's funny. I <laughs> there's a recording of me and I just found it again because someone I saw a thread that was like basically like this facetious that like when did emo die kind of thing yeah and i posted this thing it was i was playing the troubadour in either 99 or 2000 i'm pretty sure it was 2000 maybe and i was singing and there was some dude in the crowd who was wasted just wasted and being loud and uh it was just kind of weird and and it was one of those deals where the whole like the room was really vibey and sweet and quiet and intimate but there's this one dude who was just way too drunk. Um, and so I, being the person that I am, was like, hey, man, what's going on over there? <laughs> Vibe killer. Um, and so I, and I invited him up on stage because I was like, OK, you want attention. Let's give you some attention. Come on. Um, and he came up on stage and he said, like, yeah, I'm drunk on whiskey and, you know, I love emo. And 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 I literally like you know, I was like. There you have it, people. Emo is dead. We've just proven it. It's over. Like and like and that's it. And that's in two thousand. And here we are in twenty twenty one. Yeah, we're twenty twenty one. The word was even known, and I was already like, yeah, this is over. Like when some dude is like wasted at my fucking little songwriter show, like like slurring about how he loves emo. It's done. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's when it yeah. died. I, I happen to know the exact moment when it died. <laughs> At the Troubadour. <laughs> um, so the, 
one thing, and this is just going to be personal, but like, I know you're obviously connected to it. So you're going to, you know, you'll, you'll have a, an explanation. The gratitude album. Yes. I listen to that album still to this day, regularly listen to that record. Love it. And I listen to it with the mentality of like, I, I still go, this should have been the, this, this record is the biggest, this, it sounds like everything that was major should, I see that record. And I think like uh, Weezer at the time, Green Day at the time, Jimmy World yes. at the time, the fucking Foo Fighters, like that gratitude record is like, it sounds like it should be the biggest thing in the world. It's so, it, I mean, I don't know if that, I know you don't think in that context probably, but I hear it and go, this is, this is as good as all of that. This is a, that is a great album. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate that so much. I, to be totally real, I think the gratitude record got, this is why albums are so difficult and why live is so much more fun and so much to keep changing a record. You've really kind of got to nail it. Everything's got to come together. I, I, sure, it's, sure. Um, it's a trippy thing. So on that record, I think we got a little stuck in between the very austere, simple uh, presentation of indie rock okay. and the much more, um, I would say, unself-conscious and kind of gloriously harmonized and lush yeah. vibes of like big rock, you right. know, right. which is kind of, we, we tried to hit the sweet spot. I think we ended up getting a little stuck in between. So if I can take responsibility for artistically speaking, what I think I could have done better for that record to be what you think it should be. Okay. Um, but also <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, and, and I, I think it was a quite a good record. And I think the songs especially have held up. I'm getting myself more water. You're um, um, I think the songs especially have held up. And that's, yeah. I think, the thing I like the most about those records. You, even Water and Solutions. Um, yeah. Tin Can somewhat, but Water and Solutions especially, like, sub-lyrically, musically, I think that record has aged a lot better than other records from that era. Yes. It and has. I think the same of the Gratitude record. It doesn't really matter now, no one's keeping score, but I think that record is, you know, 15 years on, much more timeless and sits more comfortably and is less of a scene yes. than these other records who were that were much more popular. And I think that's partly why it wasn't more popular then and okay. why it hangs out a little bit better now. And I don't and I don't want to come across as like, why didn't this like it was it's a personal thing for me as a fan because when still to this day that album still sounds fresh and timeless and has the same like I I don't think urgency is the word I want to use because it, it's it's beyond urgency and it's like just it has like it has big production you know there's a lushness to it there's a big yes uh the same with water solutions there are these big guitars and yeah. um and and you know the like sonically it's a big sounding record but the those choruses are just like I mean it doesn't matter where you drop them at any point in time they're going to catch the ear of the listener and that's always i've just i've always loved the chorus i yes. just i think <laughs> i just to me 
they've been my philosophers. I mean, truly, like yeah. my one of my guiding light axioms uh, is right up there with any Buddhist philosopher I've ever read or whatever is surrender, but don't give yourself away. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. it's yeah. it's just sort of, oh, yeah, that's that's it. And, and David Lee Roth has some too. I mean, uh, you know, what are you... Um, you know, it's basically like, how you been? You won't know until you begin. Yeah. It's like, yeah, wait, that's super fucking smart. Like, yeah, um, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, or, or even in this, that's a kind of a neat little Zen koan level one. But even the first verse one of um, you got to roll with the punches to get to what's real. As, yep. as yep. cliche and platitude as that is, that's true. <laughs> like, and and it's, there's there's something about a good chorus which is just like a good, um, you know, any, any well-articulated thought where it sums up all of this complex thought into a nice little beastie. And it's just a few syllables that I can have when I need it. It's, um, I think of there's a, an old, you know, there's old indigenous teachings about how if you're able to name a demon, then you kind of take away its power. And I think about songs a lot like that. They're a place I can put some really big feelings Right. And then I can visit them in this little container, but then they're not controlling me. I'm getting to witness them, be with them on my terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what a chorus is for me. Yes. Yeah. And, and you are, uh, if I do say so myself, you are, you have mastered the art form of writing a chorus. <laughs> I, 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 I can't even say how much appreciate that. It is literally the, my life's work is, mm-hmm. has been loving choruses and then, trying to make my own mm-hmm. and i've often said that my central instrument you know i love singing i'm a rudimentary utilitarian guitarist and my central instrument is the song yes um it's uh jeremy and i were talking about this his his central instrument is the studio jeremy is the guy who helped produce the yeah. new record and stuff and um his his favorite instrument he's a multi-instrumentalist he's incredible but he's he's realized that he plays the studio. That's the instrument he plays. And the instrument that I play is the song. Like that's everything else that happens after that is sort of incidental. And frankly, not even my specialty, but the idea, the kernel of the idea, the chorus, like I've put a lot of work into that. So I'm, I'm glad you like them. <laughs> yeah. And, and if somebody's connected to it, then like, you know, then it came full circle. The, the intent, you know, the intent was found and it, it, it came to life. It manifests in, in someone connecting to it. Well, here's the thing about songs. I think of them as little creatures and little children. Um, and, and I think of ideas that way actually. Um, but a song just like a little kid is like dying for like a, a sweet way to like grow up and be a purpose in the world and be of service. Like these things that we're looking for. I believe a song is looking for that too and so when a song finds its way into someone's life, especially a funeral or a wedding or a birth or these momentous moments that are, speaking of gratitude songs, The Greatest Wonder, um, yeah. that song is about, it's about shit that's too big to talk about in music. But if you're a person who loves music like me, that's me trying to articulate all of the immensity of life. And I'm very, very proud that I have sung that song at weddings, at memorial services, um, at really, really, really intimate times of people's lives. Yeah. And that to me is what every song dreams of is just yeah. to be in a situation where 
one or more people are feeling it so deeply because words have failed, there's nothing left, but all of a sudden, God damn it, if this chorus doesn't make it feel so much better. Like that's to me what a song is waiting for. And so yeah. thank you for like, but it requires a listener being vulnerable because the song is just running around. But a listener being vulnerable is what makes it come to life. That is what, when I think the song is complete, frankly, and why it's never done is because the next person to discover it and where it ends up being in their life is that's part of that song's life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm happy my songs are part of your life yes. and you're part and- of my song's lives. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, like to that point, like when you hear uh, like, I'm sure you've heard this from fans before or, and listeners before, but uh, going back to lukewarm, I never want to say my best days are behind me. That is a fucking mantra to live by. <laughs> like, you know, like that's what we should all like look forward. Don't look behind you. You know, I, I, I and I, I can't take credit for that one. I want to say right off the bat, like, in, um, again, this is in the book for anyone who likes books. If you like reading books, I wrote a long one. And if you like listening to them, I also recorded it. So there's my plug. Um, <laughs> but in that, you'll hear that that like many of my favorite couplets, at least the genesis of it was I was talking with this guy who say he must be like in his mid 70s now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right, because he was around when I was being born. He was okay. a friend of my mom's back then. Um, and he's he's led a lot of life, um, a lot of different. He's done a lot of different things in his life. And at one point I was asking him kind of, I don't know what was up for him next. And at this time I was in my early 30s. So he would have been in his, he would have been my age now yeah. um, back then. And he said something to the effect of, look, I just never want to say my best days are behind me. You know, like, you know, he just kind of offhandedly said it to me. And I was like, oh, that's a lyric, you know? And and that basically consumed me for the next couple of months because like, how do I make that resonate in a song the way it just hit me? Um, And and it's funny though, because you've brought up, you know, you know, Never gonna be that guy. It's a great mind, you know, and and uh never want to say my best days behind me. All this for me, the central mantra of that song mm-hmm. that has tenderized my heart more. Cause those other things, you know, never gonna be that guy. And it's a little bit it's that song is kind of the story of me in a lot of ways because it's kind of combative and a little bit judgy at first. Um yeah, sure, and, sure. And it's cool because that's me, and that's and I think it's important that we kind of are able to go like, yeah, I don't want to live that way. And it doesn't mean I hate people who live that way, but fuck, I don't want to do that. Um, so, but there's little of that in it, but there is a summer. It's all the time for every one of us. Yes. That lyric, which is kind of a more obtuse lyric, but like for me, that is the joy that I'm always trying to point to in the middle of all this hand-wringing about myself in the world is that when the way you opened my heart, Ashley, when you spoke of feeling purposeless, the way you opened my heart, Wes, when you talked about feeling scared that the captain was like, you know, like losing their sense of balance. It, that vulnerability, as scary as it is, as far as I can tell, every, whether it's a weekend workshop or like therapy or like a fucking amazing psychedelic journey, Mm-hmm. At the base, under all of the grief and all of the anger and all of the stress, as far as I can tell, is nothing but like infinite joy. Yes. Which is odd because it, it, it's so, it can get so covered over um, by, 
by these things, but even grief, which sometimes feels like the floor when I'm literally on the floor sobbing after a good cry, that peace, I feel that I feel after a good cry, like that is the summer that I think is accessible to all of us all the time. Um, and so that's the thing I just wanted to kind of, as long as we're talking about mantras that come from songs and that song is chock full of me trying to figure out axioms of ways to live. Yes. That's the one for me. Yes. Um, that's, that's me trying to transcend my judginess and my combativeness and be like, look, this is for all of us. I swear to you. So anyway. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I think too, like to, you know, talking about those mantras from it, like when I, I've said it a few times here, if we've, as we've talked about this, like, you're a very literal writer. You're, you're yeah. You, I try you, not to fuck around. Yes, and that, like, that is the that is the truth. That's truth. Is it, truth is speaking literally. Like we all listen to songwriters who write these fucking you know <laughs> these these songs that are like, what does it mean, man? Yeah. Like that that shit is you know it's got a place. I'm not gonna act like it doesn't. But like, god damn it, if you can speak truth and speak you know with this literal purpose you are going to affect that the listener so strongly because they're like fuck man that's exactly the thing that i was thinking well and and that's the thing about a chorus is that like i'll fuck around in my verses some because it's fun and you know i'm an english major and i love words and all that stuff (laughs) and and i like being obtuse and i like like things that suggest things and ways sneaky ways to like kind of bring in things it's beautiful but the chorus is where you got to get down to business it's like (laughs) what am i trying to say in this song if you didn't get it here's what's happening and again that style of songwriting that kind of declarative punk hip-hop folk yeah break it down to its essential elements bit. That is a thing that it's not for everybody. Um, it, what I, what, what I do both in the world and in my music is considered sort of too on the nose or overly sentimental or overly sincere or overly judgy or overly any number of things. Um, I get that. I do. Um, and I have, I've gone through a lot of shame about that. But the more work I've done and the older I've gotten, the more I've settled into like, nah, this is just the way I want to express myself. And it's it's a smarter, more efficient, more self-loving, more sustainable, just kind of better frame for the world. Like, and I just, that's why I think choruses are so beautiful because a good chorus, at least for the, 10, 20 seconds it's going on can unite people in a way that very little else can in this world. Um, and it's sad because a lot of times, of course, born in the USA or something like that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. better than this. They, there are things that are taken out of context. That's the difficult part about the bumper sticker part, of course, is that people can kind of repurpose them sometimes in not very cool ways. Um, but like better than this, a lot of people write to me like, I was trying to, get through my week and I hate my fucking boss and everyone else. And I just thought I'm better than this. Yep. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'm glad you got yeah. that from it. But the meat of that song is I'm better than nothing and nothing is better than this. Yes. Like that's the whole song is saying, I get stuck in saying I'm better than this sometimes when I want to like try and like, yeah, think I'm not a part of the world, but a part of my reckoning with being a grown up is that 
I don't get to just like be mad at patriarchy. I get to reckon with like me as a man, as an emissary of patriarchy. Yeah. And that's so we all love to talk about ways in which we're oppressed or put upon, but talking about ways in which we're oppressors, like, ew, that like, that doesn't, you know, <laughs> I don't know that many white women that like talk about racism. And I don't know that many men that like talk about feminism. And I don't know, you know, that many like really macho people that like to talk about homophobia. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, there's, there's a lot of like, we don't like to, you know, we like to talk about the ways in which people are fucking with us, but the ways yeah. in which I'm fucking with somebody, mm-hmm. it's not my favorite subject, which is why I like to talk about it in songs and why I think I've, I think I've articulated it better in songs than I ever have in all of my attempts. Okay. In speaking like in conversation. With people. Yeah. 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 Because I always get, I get trapped in my bullshit. I get, I get too duty. I get too mansplainy. I get too angry. I get too judgmental. I fall back on this thing of I'm alone in the world and fuck you. Yeah. And that when I'm with songs and I get to just meditate with them and be with them, inevitably my articulation of an idea is so much better than, yeah. than everything else I can do. So anyway, it's- um, Hey, Ashley, wait, hold on. I, I'm interrupting you, Wes. Um, because we uh, we need to be interrupted. I'm um, my coffee. Talk to her. <laughs> great, go get it. Um, I'm so curious, Ashley. Uh, I really mean this sincerely. Like, as simply as I can put it, what do you think of my music, and what does it make you think of, and what do you think of who I've been in the world? Like, real. So, I'm not a huge music person. Mm-hmm. With, with him, I, I'm just not. I hear stuff and I'm just like, okay, cool. Yep, great. That's just, I, I mean, yep. and I, I love it, but yep. it's not, it doesn't affect me the way that it affects everybody <laughs> else that like I'm always surrounded by because. Wait, hold on. Are we the reverse way? Do you have, how many kids do you have? Two. Yeah, two. Are they both boys? No, a boy and a girl. Okay, okay, okay. So you have a little... Uh, so I, I just was wondering all of a sudden if we were like these neat um, juxtaposed people because I grew up with my mom and my sister. I had a daughter, you know, like I've been surrounded by women. So I, all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, are you surrounded by dudes? Um, <laughs> no, no. Okay, um, so, okay, yeah, so yeah. Like, and, you know, you being a musician, Cash being, you know, starting to be a musician. Yeah. I'm like, it's just not, I, I've always been like, I just listen to the radio. It's just something in the background. Like I don't <laughs> totally get it. I just Thank you. don't. Yeah. Thank you. It, it's just there. <laughs> but she gets it when I, I, yeah, yeah. There's certain things that I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's super cool. Like I, I love it, but I am just not gonna like, I don't overanalyze it. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> Where I, can over, I, but um, I, I overanalyze like, you know, just day to day, like dumb things, but I don't, yeah, sure. I don't ever, you know, I don't ever, I don't tend to overanalyze movies or books or music. I'm just a, yeah, okay. that's, yeah. Where so I, wait, let me, let me center this around. What is this podcast called again? It's called, why did we ever meet? Why I love that title. I knew it was. A, I knew it was a title I loved. I just I didn't want to say it wrong. Um, so, forget about the music part. I want to zoom out. Yep. Why did you two ever meet? And um, why did we all ever meet? And I want to hear this from your perspective, Ashley. Like, like, yeah. 
So Wes and I met, um, we worked together at a daycare. Great. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Um, and, you know, I was a, I were three years apart and three years younger than he is. And he was in a band and he had long hair and <laughs> dirty all the time. And he was just like gross. And you know, you know the thing. <laughs> he was just gross and scary. <laughs> but he was always like, you know. It's so funny though, because honestly, when I was the age, when did you all meet? What, what age were you? <sighs> So I would have been, so I was, I think I was still in high school technically. So I was maybe oh, wow, super young. Great. Yeah. Okay. I was yeah, like, yeah. I was, I was in college. She was finishing, finishing high, school. high school. So she was 18. I was, yeah. uh, I was 21. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to say that for in my young adult life, I look way more like you actually than I did like Wes. <laughs> like I've actually, now I've got a little scruff and stuff, but literally up until five, 10 years ago, I was clean shaven all the time. My hair was, I had super long hair um, in college and early far days, but it was super like, not even on purpose. It was like elegant flowing hair. It was not dirty dude hair. It was like yeah, yeah, yeah. hair that like literally women were jealous of. Like, oh, we had, um, we had a friend like that. He yep. still had. Yeah, so, exactly. So, I mean, it's so, but anyway, when I cut that, um, I, I, I mean, to me, you look much more like me than you do, Wes, which is so what I love so much about this. Like, I literally just posted a picture of myself in 2002 singing. I'm like, yeah, that could be you. Like, you know, it's so it just, I don't know. I was just noticing that. So, okay. So you're in a daycare. That is amazing. Yeah. Um, so and how to go from there? Asking, well, he was always asking me to like go out to shows and things like that. And I was like getting ready to go into college and I was still... <laughs> Like I still had to live at home. I still had a curfew. Like I wasn't allowed to do anything. So I was just like, yeah, I can't. Like I'm just- Yeah, I'm cop dad. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. Even though it was my, my mom was far more overbearing than oh. my dad. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, And like, it just never, you know, it just would never work out. And then we just started hanging out and being yeah. friends. Yeah. Um, and we're, we were engaged to other people. Like it was just a whole- Wow, like, one of those, you've got a real story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of happened. Like, cool. you know- So what age did it happen? I'm so curious now, I'm even more curious about your arc. So this long, interesting courtship involving other people and the journey, yeah. so that went on. When did, when did it kind of focus in on you two? Oh, oh four, oh five yeah. around there. When was Cash born? 2006. 2006. <laughs> They're a good measure. They're a good measure. Yeah. Cat. <laughs> um, um, so hi, Kitty. Well, probably wow. 2002, 2003, or 2003, 2004, that we just kind of like, okay, I think this is where, yeah. this, is, this is who we're supposed to be with. Mm -hmm. you know? Right. And it just happened. And then, like, mm -hmm. There was, was no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. And there was never any doubt with any of our, because our, our friends, you know, I mean, I only had like a handful of like two like good girlfriends that I was ever really with. And we all yeah. just kind of intermingled together and it wasn't ever a weird situation or everyone was right. just like, oh yeah, duh. That's how it was. <laughs> right. Cool. Um, Beautiful. From there, it was just like, I mean, we were planning on, getting married we had we had lived together and we were planning on getting married when i found out i was pregnant so i was wow. just like well <laughs> move that up <laughs> i guess we'll do that i guess yeah well yeah 
And yep. it was less about the the wedding. It was yeah, more about right. like, what's the safest way? Make sure she's on my insurance. You know, the bullshit. Yeah, the, yeah. All the- like, I don't have insurance at all. <laughs> right. So- oh, yeah, real. So, yeah, because you're, you're, so you're, I'm trying to do the math here. You're early, you're 22 when you get pregnant. Yeah. How old are you? When yeah, you're I was pregnant? 20. I, well, I'm 38 now. I was 22. Right, so- three when I had cats something like that yeah right and so you're 26 it's you're just a very comparable age to uh, my daughter's name is Hannah her, her mom um we she was my first relationship out of college yeah. um and and you know uh got pregnant on breakup at breakup sex you know kind of thing like <laughs> really um what? young like I had no idea what it was to be a dad or what a dad even was like you know we were both like spinning but there was a really sweet uh we yeah I mean long story short I want to keep it on you but um I I like that we have a shared experience of younger than usual parenting um I was the first, I was the first parent in, in our scene, basically. Oh, we're- yeah. Similar. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and it was, uh, it was a wild ride. Yeah. <laughs> you get thrown into it and you're, you have no clue what you're doing and you're not yeah. being selfish. At yeah. That you age. still want to do fun stuff. Yeah. And no, hell yeah. And you, and you, I mean, and you actually have the shadow of the overbearing mom and the cop dad that, you know, you, probably see echoes of in your parenting and are not super stoked and um yeah I know I know yeah my my mother and I are not the closest I mean we you you know we I'm 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 much closer to her than my brother is but then Mm. like my dad and I we don't even speak anymore so because they are yeah parents are divorced and we just yeah yeah done isn't that wild wait so how old's your dad now uh my dad Ooh. my dad was much younger than my mom and I think he's maybe closing in on 60. 60? Okay. So here's what's trippy. Cause my father dead and he died when I was very, well, he actually, he died. <laughs> he died two months before I became a father. Um, wow. So in the summer of 94, I've said this a lot, but it, it never gets tired for me. Um, I just need to keep reminding myself like, my dad died. I turned 25 and two weeks later, my daughter was born. Um, so it was a wild summer um, that still echoes through me. Yeah. But one thing I've always been kind of grateful for, because my dad was a wild man and, and left when I was real young and lived a pretty fucked up life after that, as far as I can tell. And then he died. And I am. I, <laughs> It's, I missed him. And of course, I, I, I still dream of if he had gotten his shit together and we had had a relationship. But truly, when I hear about people dealing with the living legacy of their parents and sometimes me dealing with my mom, like who's actually another live human being that I need to reckon with, yeah. it's, I feel a little bit lucky that he's gone. Because if, if he had stayed on his shitty path and was still being in touch with me, I think it would still be destroying me. Um, so I just want to say all that to say at this time in life, do you think that you will reconnect with your father in any meaningful way? Or do you think this is it? Like he's going to die and that's it. I don't know. Yeah. I do yeah. think about that quite a bit, honestly. And I, yeah. I do miss my dad, but he's, totally. not, he's not really my dad anymore. You know, right. 
he's a different person because his new wife has made him into a completely Oh, it's that person. story, right? That's it. See, that, again, that's another thing I have no frame of reference for my mom. My mom never remarried um, and my father was gone. So I've never had that story either, which is a wild beast, man. Yeah. yeah. And she hates me. And right, right, hates right. Me, and she hates my brother too. But my right. brother still... My brother never had a relationship with dad growing up where I did. So my yeah. brother still wants to, he wants to try and, you know, he, he did want to, now he's kind of like, mm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I've, I filled that cup on the dad quota, I think. So he's, uh, you know, I think he pulls back a bit more. It's the, it's the patriarchal thing where we're constantly trying to win our father's approval. Right. Yes. And that's what my brother was doing. And yeah. then my brother almost yeah. died and. Now I feel like he's, you know, I I think now I think he feels like, okay, maybe I don't need him around. Yeah. How did he almost die? He uh, fell off the back of a golf cart and fractured his skull. He's missing like a chunk of skull, like this big, like on the side of his head. Like when he was just being a doofus? No, no. Freak fucking circumstance. (laughs) Rando, just just out of nowhere. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yes. The golf cart was the golf cart was taking off as he was sitting down, and just, and just inertia pulled him yeah. one way, and he fractured his skull. And it was, and it's so wild to me. Like that whole thing. This is what, like, it sounds like your father ossified, which is such a bummer for me, um, because my God, like you've been, you've had, you've had kids, you've got all this stuff, and yeah. you're bro fucking nearly died and none of it was enough to shake your dad's heart open you know it's well and I have always like the through line through my parents um like me me getting married having kids and all of this I'm the adult yeah all of it and i'm i'm i I mean my my brothers i'm the oldest sibling so i you know my brother's younger than me whole hero child thing yeah i am i am the constant adult through all of it yes sure when my brother is you know in a coma in an icu unit i'm the one who has to go out and tell everyone you all need to pop off and go away like we're you all need to go (laughs) like i you know i'm i that's just you know, that's, that is our whole dynamic. And my mom has literally been depressed since 2002, yeah. yeah, like depressed, like won't, won't admit it, but she's been depressed yeah. for, you know, treat it. all that time because her husband left her and her kids moved out. Right. And yeah, I mean, right. It's, I, I've definitely often thought about my mama um, with deep love that she never I think maybe she's learning to do that now, which is in its own way disconcerting. And I hope she's okay. But for a long time, I experienced her as like, she didn't know how to be after we grew up and she didn't know how to be particularly with me because I didn't need a bunch of help as an adult because I was busy trying to be the adult since I was fucking five. Um, So, and she and my sister have, you know, their own kind of complicated vibes that has been more centered around crisis and assistance and, and that kind of thing. But for me, I never really, uh, I experienced her as yeah, not understanding who she was after her kids were grown. Yeah. Um, so I hope your mom finds that. And I'm sorry to hear that to this point, she has not. Yeah, I don't think she will. <laughs> but thanks. Yeah, that, no, no, it, it, isn't that intense? Isn't that intense? It, it's like, it is. 
I'm to me, like the biggest part of my mortality vibes right now are kind of looking at my elders, kind of stepping into elderhood myself and realizing, okay, oh, wow, what am I leaving in the world? And also looking at my elders, being largely disappointed. Um, and, and, and mostly though, just really admitting to myself, oh my God, this dream ending for who my parents are, I don't think it's going to come true. And it's such a, whew, it's a thing. Yeah, it's heavy. So it I just wanted, I, and, and I would love to check with you, Wes, on, on like where your legacy is. I'm going to bet something right now. Let's see. Let's see if I'm right. I'm going to bet, Wes, that you grew up in a more stable environment emotionally and logistically than you did, Ashley, correct? <laughs> much, much, yeah. more, much, so much more. more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And what I'm going to wager too, now that we can slip past the gender part, what I've noticed is that people who are raised around, yeah, just sort of having like a more stable, healthy existence, frankly, are a little bit more limber emotionally, naturally, um, because there's not as much threat like learned, like of dealing with it. And also though, are a little bit kind of like weaker when it comes to oh, life because yes. your system hasn't been inoculated. And so when trauma hits you, this person who didn't grow up with it around you, it fucking wallops you, man. And I've seen this so many times. And like, how am I the one who's like calm right now? Yeah. But like, but I know why, because I've been dealing with this rate of speed or volume or however, whatever measurement term you want to use. And the, you know, Kim is the same way. We have, we have very interesting complementary traumas because my early life was fucking crazy, yeah. but then things settled down some, whereas her early life was actually pretty sweet in a lot of ways. But then there was some family stuff that happened as she got older. And so her trauma hit her at a different time. And so it's very, I just love looking at trauma and the way it intersects yep. in our lives. But anyway, that was my little gamble and I'm, I'm happy it was true. Yeah, it was very, it, it was this very, yeah. very, it was a uh, very accurate wager on your part yeah. too. Yeah. I yeah. grew up in a, you know, like I was lucky. I grew up in a, a household where, um, I mean, my, you know, my father's generation is, is one that like, they probably should have been in talk therapy <laughs> and they were all 20 years too late. Yeah. And um, so, but we never went without, I knew my father loved me. Was he telling me the way I'm constantly grabbing my kids and telling them I love them? No, no. But I knew my father loved me. Uh, I had a, you know, I was close to my mother. Uh, yeah. Yep. Someone who is, you know, much more emotionally, uh, yeah. a much more emotionally <laughs> vulnerable person. I was close yep. to my father. Um, and that's where I am, you know, like she talked about with music. She's heard your music, our entire relationship at the very least. Mm -hmm. She doesn't connect to art that way I because just... <laughs> she's dealt with being the person that's carried the thing on her back. Whereas yeah. I've been this person who's connecting <laughs> to music and film and like, Ugh. and I'm like, I don't have time for that. That and that and that to do. I don't have time. I'm good. <laughs> and and what, I, what I will offer to you, Ashley, especially as a woman in our weird culture who has more stereotypically like male gendery things like is that there is i offer to you i invite you to check out ways in which this amazing survival strength that you've acquired um living this life is maybe a little bit of a cage now 
and you're doing really good work being overwhelmed right now and kind of like feeling purposeless because I think that's this little kid that never got to exist in you finally getting to like have a little hang time. So maybe like try out some really, uh, try out the most evocative courses you can think of and see if they can get to you because I do think there might be a little bit of a protection against the feelings that these things might evoke. Um, because I know for me, when I dip below my very capable self, there's a, there's a pretty big storm under there. Um, so I just, it's really sweet. I, I have deep empathy for both of you in these really, really different ways. And it's really, I love finding out about our family origin stories because I just love the satellite aspect of it. Um, and anyway, so that's my, as a, as a survivor, as a tough adult before their time survivor person, yeah. I offer to you that it has really helped me to learn to ask for help. And it is a life's work for me. It's a deep struggle for me. I'm still pretty clumsy at it. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, yoga has helped out a lot too. Yes. Yeah. So that's oh. why I knew, like, I want... I, I want to teach it because I think it is a very valuable it, and it's not about like poses and stretch. It's, it's totally thing. It's, it's, it's all, it's all internal. It's, you know, yeah. it's happiness inside. So yeah. it's not, that has helped out immensely, but still yeah, I, I, I do. I'm very guarded off. I'm very like goo. walls. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a person who, and I don't know, I don't know how much like active self-care you've both been engaged in what i mean by that is well certainly talk therapy but that's just one modality yeah but you know somatic therapy weekend workshops like really intense deep dive shit like i've basically done a lot of that in my life um and one of my deep sadnesses about our culture is the way that everyone loves to talk about mental health but real self-care is basically made fun of in our culture um and yoga is wonderful. I talked to Kim about this a lot, actually. Like, and I do yoga at this point. I mean, I don't even call yeah. it yoga hardly. Um, I, I think of it as like a moving nap. Um, um, <laughs> moving meditation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it's certainly moving meditation. And I have actually finally found a meditation practice that really, really works for me. So I've been twice a day for 20 minutes meditating. And now I've added some more physical elements to that and having, um, I did like a yoga challenge with my buddy to start the year. Mm -hmm. And from that, I was like, okay, I just need to give myself a half an hour every day where yeah. I, I'm here still, it's just my phone did the thing again. Um, um, and uh, I, so all I really want to say is yes, yoga for sure. Keep it rocking. And I think I think of that as like a little, maybe like heart, like kind of softener, maybe kind of, kind of like put some moisturizer in the scar tissue, but now's maybe like rip the wound open a little bit. Now that you got some resources because it's kind of the tip of the iceberg. I'm just offering that as yeah. a possibility. Um, oh, so way it. to be. Keep it, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> keep it rocking. This, I, I can't, I, yeah, I, I can't not, but this is me trying to step into my elderhood. I got, you know, like 10 years on y'all and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And and I am trying to step into this where I can, without telling you what to do, I can offer life experience and, and right. stuff. And so when I hear your story and your dynamic, Ashley, that's that's what I'm thinking of. And yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, that is a, uh, and, and something you said too about 
letting herself connect to some choruses. I, <laughs> I, I, I yeah. agree with you on that. <laughs> um, and if you can't, and if you can't guess, Wes, I got plenty for you too, which is like, buck the fuck up and take care of yourself. So she doesn't feel like she has to take care of you all the time. That's um, right. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, cause we're all grown. It's all a 50 50 situation. There's yeah. no relationship dynamic except that you're both choosing to be here. Thank goodness. Yes. And the accountability that comes with that. Um, so yeah, maybe a little more courses for you, a little fewer for you. It's <laughs> a little more, <laughs> a little more verse for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, um, anyway, no, I love it. And, and you're both teaching me. Um, it's just a really, like I say, like I love our shared lineage of early parenting. I love our mixed lineages family wise. I can like get little things from each of your stories that resonate with me. And so you're both teaching me a ton right now. It feels really good. Thank you. Good, good. I There's a couple more things before we wrap yeah. up. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't know where the fuck we are, so yeah. Hey man, it doesn't matter. We're, no, this is good, good, this good. Is that's, good. My kind of that's my kind of interview. This is, this is so good. Uh, so um, on the new record, what, yes. is, what is the song that is the most... We're going to table that because I want it. That's what I want to. And, and that's what I want to close with. Um, Wait, hold on. I want to do the opposite of table it. And on my gut, what I want to say is. I am I'm, I'm a doctor now prescribing medicine. I'm just <laughs> embracing my prescriptive nature. Yes. I want to say. The song. For you, Ashley, might be like Get a Dog or Tender Wild. Really syrupy, over-the-top, love declaration, life is romantic, life is wild shit. Um, and then I'm going to prescribe for, for you, Wes, a little more like maybe what I know. Um, maybe this is water. Um, and then... For the both of you, I prescribe Hello From Here, um, which is a sweet little tune. It's like tucked in near the end of the record, but it's one of the most, I wrote it for my mom. Mm -hmm. It's very much about legacy and about reckoning with like, we made it through the shit. We're not perfect, but we're hanging out together. Um, you know, we're a little ways down the road. Sometimes things get strange. I know, you know, I love you and that will never change. Like that's me. That's the best I got from my mom right now. Like is like, okay, you know, you drive me fucking crazy. And I know I drive you crazy sometimes and that's fine, but here we are. So I prescribe hello from here to you both. And maybe you're a home, but even you're a home. I'm, that's more one that I would prescribe to you, Ashley. Like I'm, I'm prescribing you the syrupy ones. Okay. Um, and, and Wes, I'm prescribing you the slightly more cerebral ones, but the, the little more like about reckoning with oneself and, and checking shit out. So Yes. And, and accountability. Um, so anyway. So perfectly. I didn't even have to finish the fucking question. <laughs> um, there's a little special thing of, in your career that I don't know that people know, like people you've collaborated with, like Lupe Fiasco. Sure. Um, but I, I bring that up to mention this. Yes. When Far released oh. another record in 2014, if I remember right. 10. 10, 10, sorry, wow, got it, yeah. look that quick. Um, I was like three records past that in 2014. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you, how, 
how did you come to cover Pony by Genuine? Ah. Because there's so many songs um, on that record I love, but I am fascinated with the fact that you guys covered that song and did it in earnest. Like you do it really well. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, no, I didn't. That was not me making fun of that song. No. Um, that's actually, that, that truly, that vocal performance is one that I am in some ways the most proud of because what a lot of rock singers don't know, yeah. and especially a lot of white people that make fun of like hip hop and R&B and stuff is singing R&B and pop songs. Mm -hmm. There's um, basically rock and punk and folk and emo and everything singing is very lazy. There's a lot of sliding up to notes. There's a lot of kind of making your way around the melody. Pop music is about delivering the melody, hitting the notes on the one, being right on pitch, right off the bat. Um, so those, and the melodies are like etched in stone. They're not these like loose kind of je blue jeans kind of vibes. They're like a suit and you got to rock that shit, which is not my vibe. Yeah. So Pony was a really difficult song for me to truly sing and it came from a place of like basically it's a long saga of me trying to shake people out of their scene comfort zones and so far would make mixes before we went on of songs that would be like the house music because yeah. I in particular have always hated the house music that gets played in clubs most of the time so I decided to bring my own being the control freak yeah. that I am um, <laughs> and so Pony was just wonderful tune that got everyone's heads bobbing and because like white people aren't allowed to like be really overtly sexual in our music and our artistic expression to like have people be kind of uncomfortable with the innuendo and stuff and I would also play um there's an amazing song, song called up uh, by her name is Kai or or something like that um called my neck my back and then yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah. so that during one line drawing yeah, I would play that song when it came out right before I went on for in fact the show where I declared emo dead I'm betting dollars to donuts that I played my neck my back right before I went on and I would come on singing lick my pussy in my crack like I would come on Fuck like yeah. sing along to it like so <laughs> so yeah. anyway pony was an early entry into like we're not gonna have this be some scenes tonight like we're gonna yes. we're gonna bring this in yeah. um and so when far was getting back together it was a very you know we were like really trying to like figure out who each other were right. like you know 10 years after we broke up and stuff and and our first thing was like forget about doing anything real like can we just think of something fun to do together mm -hmm. and i was like well cool let's do a cover song you yeah. know and we were also thinking like let's do some like little shows Oh, shit. Hold on. Got to go plug in. I'll be right there. Oh, there you are. Um, uh, I come over to the sink to get my water and then I get distracted. And then hold on. Um, <laughs> hold on. Pour this out and get back to getting plugged in. Um, so basically, hold on. I'm getting distracted. You're good. You're fine, man. Maybe We're not going anywhere. Pause on, pause on the pony talk. Hold on. Yep. Pause okay. on the pony talk. Because I'm, I'm a real, um, I'm a one passion person. I, it's very, I'm not a good multitasker. I need to be yeah. in one thing or another. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. Coming back to center, getting plugged in. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, cool. So, yeah. 
Um, it was just a, a goofy joke, but when we were looking for things to do, and oh yeah, we were going to have a fake MySpace page with a fake band name. Oh, um, okay. Um, and so we were like, but shit, we need a song for our MySpace player. Mm-hmm. Um, so our fake band name became Hot Little Pony because of some story that I don't remember the origin of, but where uh, uh, Jeff Gross, our friend who is traveling with us and um, on some tour, yeah. for whatever reason said the phrase Hot Little Pony. Mm-hmm. And we laughed about it a lot. Yeah. So at some point we were like, oh, let's have our like goofy secret band name be Hot Little Pony. And that was our, our it was myspace.com forward slash Hot Little Pony. Um, <laughs> and so that was us. And we needed something for a, our our little myspace player and john found a great like midi version of dig a pony by, by the beatles um and i was like cool that's neat and it sounded really cute the kind of elevator musicy and stuff but then i was like i want to re- i want a song that we did and so we were like well shit let's cover pony it's a you know it's a, a three chord song yeah. it's a fucking banger yeah um and sean was producing at the time and had gotten really good at that so i knew he could make it sound big and sonic yeah. And I was very excited by the challenge of singing an R&B song, like but yeah. really singing the shit out of it. And two things that came from that track that really, I mean, there's a lot that came from that track that wasn't that great, which is that when we did our little reunion shows, that song, it, it really blew up like more than we had counted on it happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so all of a sudden we were like the new fucking alien art farm, you know, or something like that, you know, like with the <laughs> stupid R and B cover. Um, so I didn't like that part of it that much, but you can't control that part. And, no, no. Um, but what I did love about it was that a, it's a beautiful song. B it challenged me as a singer. C Sean knocked it out of the goddamn park sonically. And things that came from it were two things. One, I remember, well, first of all, genuine, uh the original recording artist of yeah. pony um was coming to san francisco and someone got in touch with me saying like that i was invited to the show um and i went to meet genuine and he said literally to me thank you for helping resurrect my career um, oh and i was like okay man <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> you rule um, and so that was a beautiful moment with that song there's actually three that come to mind another was a similar one where i just i was at some i don't know what it was but there's a lot of music industry people around i don't think it was a convention per se or maybe i was on tour but there was a convention in town i don't know what was happening but i was in a room that i'm not usually in which is a very fancy uh music industry feeling room and someone was talking and basically my buddy was trying to like give me legitimacy with the people he was around which is a bunch of like high-end pop songwriters and managers yeah and so he said oh well, this guy did that recent hard rock cover of pony and this dude looked at me like you know and he was a pretty heavy like like pop like industry person smart powerful he was like you sang that and and i was like yeah that was me he's like that's fucking good, man. And it was, it was, this is not a guy, if you'd been around him, like, he's not a guy that's doling out compliments, you know, like, sure, yeah. It, and so it was a very proud validation moment for me. I really love compliments when I know the person has no reason to compliment me, but it's like, yes. and when I know yeah. they love music as much as I do, because yeah. he was like, you delivered a vocal, man, way to be. And I, and I was so excited. And then finally, it was just to bring our kids back into it. Yeah. 
our version of Pony was played at my daughter's high school dance. Oh my god! Um, yeah. Amazing. Um, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and not as, not as a thing, not as an inside joke. Like no one knew that I had sung it. Like it okay. was my daughter knew, and she was mortified, but it wasn't. You know. Um, um, and, oh no! Oh no! That's my and, dad. That's dad. Yeah. No. She, we we talked about it. Um, <laughs> it was a it was a thing. Um, she yeah. was yeah. It was pretty hilarious. But and I will just I'm going to start. You mentioned Lupe back in the day, and I just want to a give credit to Mike Schneider from Lincoln Park because he's the one who got me on the Lupe track, okay. and that's when I sang the Fort Minor tracks as well. Okay. Um, well, yes. And I never met Lupe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which I'm real sad about Lupe because I love that record and I love him as an artist. And, but I was never in the same room with them. It was just that I happened to, someone was producing his track that I happened okay. to, that happened to like me. Yeah. So I'm just going to put that there. But that era of my life between Pony um, and uh, Where'd You Go, that Fort Minor song, which yeah. I was in the video of and sang the chorus of, yeah. those two things made it into the mainstream more than pretty much anything I've ever done that I, my name has been attached to. And that was the most cred and the coolest I ever was to my daughter and her friends is when I was in the where'd you go video. Um, <laughs> my daughter was in like kindergarten at that point and her friends thought it was the coolest thing that I was in a video of that was on. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> it was, it was, well, no, I was more like a, a dad in his thirties who will take whatever he can get in terms of approval from his daughter. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I guess the way I want to close this is, yeah. What do you want to, how do you want to close this? What do you want to leave with this, uh, leave this episode with? How do you want to close this out for people listening that have heard us go in all these different directions? And, <laughs> you know, it's a heavy time and we're talking about heavy shit. And, and I love that we are. So what yeah. do you want to leave? What does Jonah leave for, for the people that are listening to <laughs> talk? I really, the thing that comes to mind outside of cheap trick choruses um, is, and I've said this to be totally real, like I've said this and I still say this to people when, whether I know them well or not, mm -hmm. but I have, an, I have an exposure to life that has people I don't really know yeah. uh, having pretty intimate conversations with me in different ways, certainly in the context of conversations like this that are you know, we're doing a thing, but I just meet people come to me after shows or writing to me. Um, so people share heavy shit with me sometimes. Yes. And when they, when someone, this comes from me and like what I've had to reckon with, um, and it kind of ties everything together. It goes back to your thing about purpose, Ashley, like, especially if you're feeling really low about your existence in the world, but to whatever degree you're struggling with it, remember you're an animal, not an identity. The identity part is things that we've invented. It's a very recent invention. It did, literally did not exist in our species pretty much until literacy. The idea of an identity, of ego, of, of our, our mind, um, our, this, this, like, the, the idea that we have a mind that's separate from our body, um, all of this, like, uh, that we have a spirit that's separate from our body, this didn't exist really 
like until literacy, until we had to codify this stuff. And so I think a lot of people that, and I'm going to be so just cut to the really hyperbolic chase, people that kill themselves, oftentimes I think they've gotten their identity confused with their animal self. So it's like, if I'm really depressed, then like if I'm, and if I'm really struggling in the existence that I'm in, I, what I try to do is go, you know, what I would recommend to anyone out there who's struggling is like, try quitting your job first. Try leaving your friendship group first. Try changing your name if it comes to that. Try basically whatever you can do to decimate your identity and your sense of yourself in the world. If that's what's, you know, try that first because don't confuse that with your living, breathing animal self that's pre-verbal, that's just a bunch of stuff, whatever one thinks about life. There's so many layers under verbal and under human um, that is who we actually are. And so it's a very simple sounding thing. Remember, you're an animal and not an identity. But the point is, don't get your identity, which is your human created thing. I'm a singer. I'm a man. I'm 52. I'm white. I'm, you know, great. They're all good. And in terms of systemic conversation, let's have those conversations. Hell yeah. But in terms of that real deep, like self-hatred and or self-love, I think I know. For me, my self-hatred is rooted in my identity and what I've made up about myself. It has nothing to do with the animal that I am. The animal that I am doesn't give a shit one way or another about me. It's just kind of psyched to be here um, and like doing whatever it is that I'm doing. But the part of me that has words and forms them and has opinions and all that stuff, that's always in flux. It's always your choice as as deeply unchoice driven as it, and i want to say anyone who's out there if you if you are somehow seeing this and you're in a war-torn country and all you've ever known is poverty and like three generations of your family are missing and you're like on the wrong end of oppression then i get that survival is sometimes really is what it's all about and i'm not trying to say like cool just be yourself but anyone really who's listening to this who has a phone to check it out who who has the education to parse this type of literacy. Um, life is a choice for us. Legit. Like whatever our trauma has been, whatever you've struggled through. Um, and just to be clear, one of my first questions I ask anyone is where are you on the trauma scale? Mm-hmm. If zero is you lived a Rockefeller amazing life where everyone hugged each other and was awesome. And there's always money and food around and great. And you're, and you're emotionally sound. Awesome. And, if, and 10 is like, you've suffered horrifying physical and sexual and emotional abuse. And like, who knows what's happened to you? And that's a 10. Where are you? And I asked myself that question. And so I, I'm about a six or seven, as far as I can tell. And what I mean by that is I've never, I've been molested, but I've never been like, as far as I know, because my memory might be faulty. I don't think I've been like, like violently raped. Like, I think I was just molested in my and I was groomed and my trust was totally fucked over looking for a father figure. And there's wounds there for sure that are real. And I don't mean to, but I also, there's a line between that and physical abuse, which I never suffered. And I've suffered, I've been around a lot of emotional chaos and abusive situations. And I've been around poverty and lived that, but it's all, it's very different from what other people have lived. And that kind of assessing of one's trauma level 
is not saying anyone's better or worse or anything, but it is an inventory thing. I'm a 12 step kid. I grew up in 12 step programs. Um, I literally wrote my high school paper on Alcoholics Anonymous. And like, it was like my experience with alcoholism, which from 12 to 16, I did more drugs than most people in their lives. Um, And then I was realized my dad was drinking himself to death and I, I kept getting arrested. So I better do something different, which is a moment of grace in my life. Um, So it's all to say that these are, these are 12 step ideas. And the idea is inventory. The idea is just look at yourself as simply as you can take stock of what you've been through as honestly as you can recognize that it's different from what other people have been through. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the heart of that is remember that you're an animal, not an identity because all that stuff is identity stuff. And the animal is just the creature that went through whatever you went through. And it's a really different thing. And it, and at least gives me a window into like, there's a place to get back to. There's a place before my dad left. There's a place before like I made up whatever stories I did from the bullshit that I've been through. And that place, that's the summer that's there for all the time for every one of us. Like that's the place of surrender. Um, that's the place. And, and in terms of other people, I guess the only other thing I'll offer is that like a lot of us, including me go through life saying, uh, you know, like, I don't know if you all can relate to this, but like if someone's coming at me, and judging me or whatever. And I can exasperatedly say like, you have no idea what I've been through. You know, and I think this is the thing we're saying to each other a lot in the world. You have no idea what I've been through. And we're kind of victimy and mad about it. And a flip that I did that really helped me out with my judgy ass self is meeting everyone with, I have no idea what you've been through. And really starting at that place and being curious not about one's political views or whatever, because I hate all the political conversations because I want to talk about the emotional aspects of that. Like, what is it to live in, you know, in this way under this belief system? And again, that's all tied to identity, which is why it all comes back to like animal, not identity. So I've said that a million times, but I think it's kind of a weird concept and it's been instructive to me. And if there's any one thing that I would love for as many people as possible to internalize in our culture that I think would do the most good is if people could start saying to themselves a lot, I am an animal, not an identity. I think that could do a lot of good. I love it. That's my chorus. I love it. <laughs> That's my- uh, the, the album Songs is available now. Um, and uh, I know we've talked about all this and talked about how poisonous it is. Jonah, where can they find you mm. online? Because I do want to make sure that- This is perfect. Yeah. I'm on all the networks. Even if you horribly mangle my name, you will find it, especially if you a- attach the word music. So whatever you think Jonah Matranga is spelled like, write that <laughs> and add the word music and you will find me. I'm on all the networks and all that shit. And it's very uh, quaint, but I still believe in websites. And so yeah. jonahmatranga.com is where my heart is. It is. It's my best attempt to put out what I want to put it into the world unfiltered by the social network gatekeepers and unconcerned with likes and follows. Um, it's a quiet little place. I've got a monthly thing you can subscribe to if you want to support me in this life. Um, and, and I share neat things that are never going to be on Spotify and stuff and all that. Um, but it's not to be exclusive. It's because it's just, there's stuff that I honestly don't want to share on that biggest scale. I want to have a more intimate conversation. So 
if you'd like to have a more intimate conversation than I think you're used to having with a performer that you might enjoy or songs that you enjoy, check that out. Um, Read my book if you want to read me. It's a fucking... 300 odd page tome that um that goes through my life as a father and my childhood and and um i'm really proud of it um the records all i hope speak for themselves um so that's where you can find me yeah and we'll put i'm gonna i'll put all of i'll put your web address in the uh and your social media handles in the into the uh bio for the show um we're gonna do. A, we're gonna say goodbye here, but we're only. But I want to say a proper goodbye to you after we. Okay, wait. Before we say goodbye, though, hold on. While we're on the air, yes. Um, I just yes. want to. I want to add two other things. One, if you've listened this far, yes. If there's one thing, I mean, yeah, buy shit. Great, that's great. But we are the transmitters these days. Mm-hmm. So if you can find one song of mine, or just and share it on whatever platforms you do, that little gesture means the world to me because we're in control of what gets transmitted now. And I don't have a lot of money, nor do I care to spend a lot of money on promoting that through other channels. I've always believed in word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And so I know it's a noisy world and I know it's a quick moving world, but if there's one song or sentence or thought or whatever of mine, that you can share along, it does me a lot of good. So don't take anything for granted. I appreciate every goddamn little piece of support and everyone remembers me. Um, and finally, to end the public version of this, I will end the way I think I am best, which is I'm going to sing you a little song, which is like a weird little atheist Jewish who knows what prayer. Um, and I don't say atheism with any charge to it. And I also don't say prayer with any charge to it. I, I'm... I I believe both of those words have been horribly weaponized and become whatever. It's just a little thing. It's it's pretty much everything I've been trying to say, except in a little tune that's catchy. Uh, And I hope you like it. So here you go. My body's doing great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I got all I need. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm a lucky little creature. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm still a little mean. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't think before I speak. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm a little feral. Sorry, 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 sorry. Thank you. Sorry, and I don't know is all I have to say. I got nowhere else to go. So I guess I'm here to stay. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. I don't know. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. I don't know. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. I don't know. Beautiful. (laughs) Uh, Jonah, thank you. Uh, We will talk to everybody else next week. Jonah, we're going to say proper goodbyes to you after this. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. You rule. Thank you.